Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 67. We're back once again. We're a podcast that talks about pop culture things that we are interested in. And sometimes there are drinks. My name is John. I am joined once again by Andrea. Hi, everybody. How's it going? And uh, returning guest, Shane. Welcome. Salutations, John and Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You've got so much energy. Yeah, I thought I'd try to top last time. All right. (laughs) Yeah, up and up each time. That's right. So we'll have to invite you on again so you can see if we can top this. Wear full clown makeup. (laughs) Wow. Wow, yeah. So don't expect that's the improvement, but I mean, that would be. (laughs) It'll be for your, you know, your video watchers, you know. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, this show is recorded, Shane, so that promise is forever and ever now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you watch me. I will do it. <laughs> I well, don't doubt it. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't doubt it either, so let's I'll find a topic the, and Shane will come back. I'll pull out the Harley Quinn costume. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I did love that I one. I mean, there will be inevitably more Batman things coming, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, Save it for a Suicide Squad too. Time. That's right. Yeah. Yep. When is that? That's coming pretty soon, right? That's this year, I think. Track from it. Oh yeah. I mean, but I mean, like within months. Yeah, like August or September. I next think. Next month or something. Yeah. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh no. I they released a a track from the soundtrack already. I think. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they've had some more previews and promos of which I have not watched. Beyond the original stuff. Holy cow, August 6th, one month. All right. Cool. You guys have high hopes for the film? I have like higher hopes than the first one. I think James Gunn is an excellent director, and I think um, watching some of the panels at Comic Con with the cast was like really fun. They seem to have good energy together. So hopefully that translates on screen. And hopefully with a better story. So okay. I guess yes. Okay. <laughs> is that I roundabout answer? Is... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Jane. I think it's a good answer. I, I <laughs> think this is a better fit for James Gunn than even the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I felt was kind of like, yeah. a, you know, in terms of if, you, if you're familiar with his body of work, it seemed like Guardians of the Galaxy was a little out of place. But strange characters, you know, interesting world. I, he was a good pick for that. But like I said, mm-hmm. compared to everything he's done before, I sort of felt like it was, it was to me, it was far afield of what he's done before. So mm-hmm. sure. sure. Well, um, we've brought Shane back this week to talk about raised by wolves, um, HBO max television program brought to you by I watched Ridley the Scott. family sitcom, not the oh. HBO. Oh no. <laughs> oh, we're just going to have to compare somehow. Like, how are they different? I know. Yeah. <laughs> They're both about families, you know, parenthood. Yeah. We, we could figure out some common themes, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that could we'll have been an episode. There we are. Yep. Um, we will get to that later. Um, so don't worry about spoilers for that. If you're intending to watch it, we'll talk about that later in the episode. Uh, before that, we've got um, let's see what we've been enjoying throughout the week. 
got mm-hmm. some drink holidays and a little bit more news than uh than past couple weeks so um guest shane how's your week been good uh celebrated the 4th of july with my wife my beautiful wife with her mom's family in ohio near cleveland um, oh, okay dro- we drove out there and uh it was about a 11 hour drive mm-hmm. and yeah and i didn't realize that all of those um middle states around the great lakes have tolls mm-hmm. on their freeways really oh they do. i didn't know that either mm-hmm. yeah, so that's a whole interesting new experience for me Oh, you've never so been I on a tollway? No, I've always avoided. Wow. Them. Okay, I've always searched, you know, routes that avoid tolls. Yeah, I don't know why. I just did. Yeah, but, I know. Unfortunately, there's like a there's a certain stretch in there that yeah, you just can't. I've got a I've got a brother-in-law in Cincinnati, so mm-hmm. I know that uh, that drive and that tollway. Yeah, the difference was like two hours, so I figured, yep. you know what, just bite the bullet and pay the tolls. Quit being mm-hmm. a cheap asshole. How, well, I mean, I wouldn't say that. I would defend your skipping the tolls if possible, <laughs> but um, what? how much Time is money, John. Yeah. Literally, time is money. <laughs> what was your question? Did you have a question? What did you how, say? How much, how much are they? How much is each one? Uh, I think it's it differs state by state, but I think all in all, we probably spent like forty bucks each way for a, for all the tolls combined, forty fifty dollars. Hmm. Well, I'm sure all the roads were immaculate then, at least, right? Mm. We're gonna leave it no. at that. <laughs> yeah, no, I well, they, they weren't. They really weren't. Like Chicago, Illinois, or yeah. pretty much around Chicago and in Illinois, generally speaking. Well. Which I'm sure terrible. your fuel was cheaper then, right? No gas tax. John, sorry to tell you no? that uh, oh, gas shoot, doesn't get man. cheaper. Ah, oh. oh, okay. All right. Unless you're in maybe Texas. I don't know. Can't yeah, Alaska? Know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. Well, I heard, I, I've heard, I've never been there, but I've heard Cleveland is pretty cool. Well, we, yeah, it's, you could definitely, uh, they get a little lake effect there, which is really nice, especially being that it was super uh, hot this past weekend back home. And um, that's just nice to chill out. I don't know. Some yeah. New family that I haven't met before. So this is the first time I'd met my wife's family oh. or my wife's mother's family. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, great, great people. So it was, it was a fun, fun, quick trip. Nice. nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, anything else that kept you kept you busy? Uh, you know, the only other thing I can say that I've been busy with is buying way too many video games, more than I can play, with these goddamn Steam sales. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't any- looked recently. Oh. Like, what's yeah, what's great? What's good? Going to say uh, anything you're particularly excited about? Um. Well, we've been playing No Man's Sky, John. You've been invited, but your poor hand. Um, haven't been yeah. able to join us yet. No Mansky, as uh, Alan likes to call it. Um, but that's been a lot of fun. I think it's um, really interesting, kind of like open world space exploration, infinite, right? So, yeah, yeah. But other than cool. that, um, yeah, 
cheap $2 games on Steam. I started playing a series of games called The Room. I don't know if you're familiar with. But, oh, uh, yeah, I've like, heard of it. Puzzle, puzzle room game type, escape the room sort of things. I don't oh, know. fun. Kind of fun. You're like, you know, Mist or those types of old school, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, first person puzzle solving games. Be right up your alley. I could play that with one hand. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, then, of course, watching uh, Loki. That's the last one. Yeah. Loki, yeah. Yeah. Are you caught up? Haven't watched uh, today's episode. Today's. But... Okay. Okay. Um, I read the uh... first impressions. I mean, for what you've seen so far. Is everyone at least through the fourth episode? No, yeah. I, I mean, keeping it com- completely yeah. spoiler free for anyone. I, I've only seen the first three. So. Okay. But for our audience that may not have even started yet. I are you enjoying like it, still? it a lot? I really do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I like it even more than either of the other two series. I don't know. Maybe we, I said okay. this last time I was on the podcast, but I feel like uh, they really pulled out all the stops mm-hmm. to make this kind of their flagship TV series, at least for this, you know, whatever, how long it lasts, one season or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And Andrea, you're, uh, you're caught up or close? Yeah, I haven't uh I haven't watched today's either. Um, but I'm up through four. So yeah. I uh I read something interesting today though, because I was reminded that Black Widow is coming out, speaking of of course the Marvel Universe. Um mm-hmm. and um I was reading just a blip of an interview and um with uh with a Marvel studio writer and they were just talking about how um Black Widow was supposed to set up a connection and there was supposed to be like a little Easter egg in Black Widow to connect Falcon and Winter Soldier. And that's like the only thing that's been like thrown out of line with, you know, kind of the shifting of we're gonna release all these TV series before Black Widow. Because Black Widow was supposed to of course kick kick off like every everything um yeah. in this next phase and then of course it just ended up being the tv series because of covid but i don't know i was just like interested in you know that little like tie together what it's gonna uh, be yeah yep so oh, how long has black widow been coming out <laughs> it's <laughs> like i mean forever. it's not well, out over yet. a year infinite infinite um it's i mean it's supposed to come out july 9th so like yeah, Marvel, like this Friday. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was like last but, spring oof. was the goal, right? Or yeah. was it even? I think it was last. Spring. I thought it was. I thought it was even sooner than that, actually. But maybe. I mean, haven't we all been doing like a time warp of, you know, 2020 and 2021? So honestly, you could say just about anything at this point. And I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fri- Friday. Hope I hope it's good. Yeah, me too. Um. So yeah, that was just like a fun little like thing. I was just like, oh, now I'm like looking forward to it even more now that, you know, sure. I know there's supposed to be this connection. So. Cool. Anything else this week? Um, Marvel related or otherwise? Uh, not Marvel related. Um, just like a couple things that I've done, you know, in my 
outside pop culture life, um, Chris and I made the terrible choice to go golfing on Monday. Uh, mm. That was terrible. That was so awful. We were sitting warm. out on our porch and, or on our deck, and my parents had taken the baby um, for like a surprise visit. And we were like, oh, we should do something with our baby free time. And we're like sitting in the shade, like having a beer and like, oh, it's really not too hot outside. Like, let's do something outside. Let's go golfing. Oh, my God. 94 degree heat. No shade on a golf course. Like, walk in with your clubs. Ugh. Yeesh. Probably busy. That was, yeah. Right. It was, it was awful. It was the worst decision I could have made. Like, it was I terrible. I mean, when you started, I'm like, you're already doing what you should be doing. Right. I know. Like, the beer. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, we couldn't just, like, sit there and enjoy ourselves. We were like, oh, yeah. it's baby free time. We should do something. No, mm -hmm. we should not do something. <laughs> <laughs> Fallible logic shoot? there. <laughs> um, I, so we are on a par three course, and I'm terrible at golf to preface this. Um, so I shot, I averaged, I think, about, Six strokes per hole. So what is what is that? So I mean, it's I can't do math in my head. Th three <laughs> over par. So you average three over par. I average three over par. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Pretty darn good in my either, book. Nine holes, Alan. I don't know why okay. I don't know off the top of my head what. So at least it's not too long, then you know. So fifty-four. Wasn't, okay, wasn't yeah. Eighteen and. Yeah, I mean, we didn't do the full 18, which is good um, because we were already we already took like three hours to play the nine holes and we were just like, you know, look like we had decided to take a dip in the lake fully clothed rather than yeah. go golfing. <laughs> I lost um, my ball in the, in the, in the right? lake there and I went for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if there hadn't been geese guarding the lake in the middle of the course, I probably would have gone for it. But, uh, you know. You don't really, you don't really mess with the Canadian goose. They'll get you. So, yeah. So that was that was my terrible, terrible decision of celebrating over the fourth weekend. Um, and then I I did something today that I thought was kind of funny, considering the topic we're going to be talking about, raised by wolves. Half spoilery, but not really spoilery. Um, I went and got my eyes checked today. I had a little visit with the eye doctor oh. and was like, ah, funny. Like, can you just put in some of those other ones? I saw the show that, I know, uh, right. Can you give me uh, some ones that make me fly and just like, you know, mm -hmm. make me capable of destroying a human being in wow, 0.5 seconds. You flat? Want, You're looking <laughs> to destroy a human being. That's right. Someone you know, that's on your bad list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll see, you know, Everybody better watch out. Me and my new eyes. But well, cool. So, yeah, so that's at least what... you've been. At least you've been golfing once or whatever. I haven't been golfing yet this year, so it's been a while. Got to get dust off the clubs. Yeah. Well, I don't even have my own set of clubs. If that makes you feel better, I just like shot some of Chris's. So doesn't he have left-handed or does he golf right? He golf's right. Okay. All right. He also. That's right for softball. So it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I always remember being odd and like different for situations, but mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. It's quite handy for me, obviously, in certain situations. 
Um, Shane, did you watch uh, Rick and Morty? I've only watched the first episode. I haven't watched any uh, of the others. What are we okay. at? Three? Four? Three. Three, I think. Okay. Yeah, episode I gotta two get on is so it. good. I know. So good. I keep forgetting I just, that always, it's a thing right now. Yeah. I'm always stunned by it. They just keep coming up with new ideas. They're always good. They are. Always good. <laughs> no spoilers, John. I don't know if you can. <laughs> no, I won't give you spoilers. No. So that was, yeah, I watched Rick and Morty this week. Caught up. I had, uh, had the two of them. And I, you know, past weeks I've been talking about watching through Demon Slayer some. Mm, and right. I finally finished that and then watched the film. So I'm all queued up for uh, the next season. And if you want a recommendation, I mean, um, yeah, that movie, it's a pretty good movie. I can see why it did the numbers it did. Didn't they just drop a trailer for season two of Demon Slayer? Um, Not that I've seen, but uh, I know they dropped a trailer for, I think there's a game. Oh, maybe that's um, it. Maybe okay. that's maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but I could be out of the loop for that too. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I was pretty emotional at the end of this film. I will say, okay. so it's uh, um, yeah, it's not what I would have expected. I don't want to give any any um. I think Dustin would really like this anime if I had to guess. But why do you say that? Um, just because of the um. Like they lean on Japanese culture uh, and the um, they're not actually samurai, but that sort of thing. Our main protagonist with his katana and the training he has to do and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the uh, water artwork um, mm-hmm. that's kind of unique in this is, is very reminiscent of like the woodblock kind of paintings or whatever that um, they would do and japan so okay yeah that's good stuff nice. season two trailer um, is available alan oh, just okay. found it nice. but apparently oh there's a lot out release date trailer story and more well i want to know when it's coming but i don't want to watch a trailer <laughs> i'm already to try it so um october narrowing it down to october Wow, that's pretty soon. That's what it sounds like, yeah. So I got on board at the right time. Yeah. So I'm not waiting around forever. Um, yeah. As I said, I'm behind on Loki. I watched some more anime. Ashley and I finished High Rise Invasion, season one. Um, hopefully there's a season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fun. And we started um, the Way of the House Husband. Okay. How's that? Now, um, this is something that's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. We saw the manga and um, I thought we'd maybe try the anime. It's it's done in a way that's um, very reminiscent of the manga of a comic. A lot of things aren't animated. Like it's very specific what is. Uh, there's a lot of like still frames. It's it's very unique. Like if you look at it, it's um, it's very uniquely drawn and animated. That's for sure. But it's hilarious. Uh, so it's divided into regular episodes, but within each episode, it says like there's like many mini episodes. It kind of reminds me of Hatalia. Like, but if you'd put oh 
two episodes in one thing, you know, or whatever. So you can watch uh -huh. it in a 23 minute chunk. And they just kind of going through all these different situations. And basically this guy was a, just the general setup. Our protagonist was a renowned member of the Yakuza and uh, he has a nickname and he's feared and everything. And for whatever reason, he's done with that. Now he has his wife and he is the house husband is uh, a good job or whatever. And mm -hmm. so it's going through what he does on a day to day basis. And it's it's pretty hilarious so far. This sounds strikingly like my life. <laughs> Former gang leader. Yeah. Yeah. Like renowned. I haven't shown yes. you my Yakuza tattoos, have I? No, I haven't seen them. Oh, and yeah, uh, I'll have to show you next time I see you. Yep. You have to tell <laughs> us your a, special nickname, too. They're in a place mm -hmm. that you wouldn't suspect. Okay. I mean, I would suspect Yakuza tattoos on your arms and back, maybe down your butt, thighs. I mean, it gets pretty full body sometimes. I'll say that you're getting warmer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's, I think we were watching this. I think it's also on Netflix. So mm -hmm. yeah, give it a shot if you're interested. So. Yeah, that's been that's been my week pretty much other for for entertainmenty things. Um, drinks. Mm -hmm. I saw you drinking something, Andrea. I yes, so I made a pina colada because July eleventh is pina colada day. I was like, I don't even know if I've ever had one, so I made what one. Time? July 10th. or yeah, July tenth. Excuse me. There's a lot going on this this upcoming week. July 10th is Pina Colada Day, and July 11th is Mojito Day and World Rum Day. So I'm sort of like, I guess, getting the 11th too with my rum here in my Pina Colada. Um, nice. But yeah, it's uh, it's quite sugary and tasty, but and definitely like a nice summer refreshing drink, but definitely not something I could drink all the time for sure. Especially okay. given that I'm not like super into rum, but this is, yeah, this is fun. A little tasty fruit refresher. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Cheers. Um, what do you guys got? I am Anything drinking. Fun? I am drinking a virgin white wine spritzer with a twist of lime. Wow. So how is it a virgin white wine spritzer? Hey, I'll show you. <laughs> it's the pure flavor of the LaCroix soda. Ooh, <laughs> nice. So you know. <laughs> yeah. That's There's excellent. your virgin white wine spritzer. <laughs> nice. You got to be on trend well, and say it's a seltzer. That's what that's what everything is now. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> yep. I'm actually using elements of both your drinks um, in a way. Um, I was uh, working for World Rum Day because... Um, I made a concoction that is um, rum, uh, Cointreau, pineapple juice, because I think pineapple juice and rum is just the way to go. Classic. And then um, I also have LaCroix in here as my sparkling water, but it's coconut. So, nice. um, yeah, so I get a little more, again, the tropical element. And uh, yeah, it's really good. I'm I, I did this. 
um, again, foolishly or, or irresponsibly rather not looking at the drink holidays and just like, I was going to do whatever. And so it just <laughs> happened to align because Perfect. I got an early anniversary gift for video viewers. Ooh. If you can see it, this Ooh, is a specific hey. 007 rum, spiced yeah. rum. So Blackwell, um, fine Jamaican rum, 007 limited edition. And how so, is it? It's really good. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's good straight if you'd like it that way, or um, for something uh, a cocktail like this, it works great too. So, yeah. Now, good stuff. Was Bond known for drinking rum? I thought his thing was a martini. So it, yes, but it is unfair because he does drink other drinks throughout mm-hmm. the franchise. Um, I think that it gets more. Um, I don't know. He becomes it becomes such a thing that I must have a martini shaken, not stirred later on that mm-hmm. they start leaving out the other cocktails like early um, Connery when he's on like some of the islands like he drinks kind of whatever. Yep. And the books include different drinks, mm-hmm. you know, um, than the films sometimes, you know, because the films, they get their their contract with whatever beer or liquor. Uh, company to oh, give sure. him some ad money, you know. So yeah, do you remember that like sh- very short lived, and I felt like garnered a lot of backlash, but it was like Bond and Heineken. Oh yeah, like yeah. for like a hot minute, it was like oh, yeah. like Heineken's the thing, and everybody was like, "Cut it out, get out of here, Heineken! Like <laughs> you can't, you can't <laughs> take this from us." <laughs> right. Yeah, no, there's lots of ads more recent with with Craig. Craig yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just remember that failing like very spectacularly. Yeah, well, the reason this is a thing is because um, Jamaican rum and Ian Fleming's Goldeneye place that he wrote mm. his stuff was in Jamaica. Mm. So that's the, the connection there. Oh, so. Yeah, good stuff. Well, so. excellent. Glad that that worked out, and happy early anniversary. Yeah, just, thanks. Just four more days, yeah. Uh, what day is the uh, seven? Yep. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like James um, Bond over here. Yep. Be sure to remember to send um, him his text reminder on the day of Andrew. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This is this is like his, you know, per, in-person, face-to-face reminder, and then I'll just sneakily yeah, right. send the text on the day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do put, that's why, like, uh, I, I do put all this stuff in the calendar. Like, if I mm-hmm. don't happen to not check my calendar, otherwise, like, everyone's birthday that I know mm-hmm. is in my calendar. If yep. I find out someone's anniversary, it's in my calendar. If yep. I, you know, it's all in there. And uh, cause I can't, rem- I, I can't remember that all this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> news. <laughs> We've got some news. Yeah. Um, kind of a variety. Uh, a real smorgasbord of items. Indeed. That's the first Indeed. one you found, Andrea. Yeah, so uh, Netflix announced that they are officially moving forward with a sequel to Old Guard, 
um, which is a movie we have reviewed on the podcast um, starring Charlize Theron. I think it was, I know, I mean, we obviously uh, reviewed it in the last year, but did it come out last year or was that 2019? I can't remember. Um, I bet it was last year. Okay. That's a good question. Or maybe early last year. Sure. But yeah, so they they picked it up and they're going to make a second movie, which uh, I am happy about because I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it had yeah. a strong storyline, great characters, well acted, um, and had like a vaguely cliffhanger ending where they could have like, you know, closed it off. But I'm glad that they didn't. And now we can uh, follow the newest member of this like superhero squad as she you know kind of journeys forward have you seen this movie shane i haven't um i do want to watch it now after um hearing good things about the original and then watching this trailer for the second one and um who doesn't like watching Shirley's there and kick some ass absolutely yeah it's based on a graphic novel or comic book so. series or something yeah right? i think so yeah, I, I don't know if it's a comic book or a graphic novel. I don't remember that off the top of my head. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know how it was released, but I know there's, yeah, graphic novel. But it, yeah, so. obviously there's there's yeah. different source material that they're adapting mm -hmm. the movie from. And mm -hmm. I think they did a really great job. So. Cool. Yeah, so check it out. I, if I remember when we talked about it, I was like, I enjoyed it, but I had more issues than with it than yeah. you did. If yeah, I you were more on the fence about it for sure. Yeah. But chance to improve in the second one, I guess. Mm hmm. So. But you're right, Shane, like there is um a lot like who can complain about watching Charlize Theron kick some butt. Um, mm -hmm. But I just thought I, I think if I recall, I had some issue with uh, choreography being less than impressed with uh the way the fight scenes were put together mm -hmm. and handled um some some odd character motivations for one person uh, in particular later yeah. on yeah thought, yeah that was like uh this seems odd how you know how you're doing what you're doing here yeah and then having um seen as well some um like uh almost um, like anime comparisons to some things where um, basically the anime had done it better. Not It wasn't this story, but like similar ideas that mm -hmm. seemed to have been taken from some anime that was right. better originally. So, mm. but Speaking of fight yeah. scenes, I recently rewatched a couple of key scenes from John Wick 3. Did mm. either of okay. you see this movie? Okay. I have not. Mm -mm. I, I saw it in the theaters and, you know, I like the series. I think obviously the, in both the martial arts and the gun choreography are, are excellent, but, mm -hmm. um, rewatching a particular fight scene from the third John wick, I was like, he looks old. Keanu Reeves is not <laughs> moving very fast. Mm -hmm. anyway, so no, I, you know, very, That's very brave of you to say Shane, uh, very brave of you to say this thank you <laughs> <laughs> Look, i mean because i'm with you you know i haven't i haven't spoken this in the light of day um 
because the fans are the the films are so well loved and i really do like them um yeah. however there is almost um it feels um i don't know if it's patronizing it's something it's um keanu reeves says himself that we do whatever we can to my level you know like whatever mm -hmm. i can do is what we do like if we could do more because the stunt guys can do more Everybody else right. can do more. I'm I'm the ceiling that's holding everything back. So we just do whatever I can do, and that's what we work to. And I try my hardest, basically, is is how it goes. And um, but yes, it is a bit unbelievable, and that's because it, it, maybe it's the almost tongue in cheek element of John Wick that makes this work. There's like a a like a comic booky um sort of thing that keeps it from being too serious and it can just kind of be badass, but you know, it's not possible. You know, this, mm -hmm. uh, the particular fight scene that you're probably thinking about, I'm guessing in the latter part of the film, it's like, he's, yeah, he's moving slow. He's not quick enough, you know, yeah. compared yeah. to who he's, he's fighting. And it does not, it's not, it's not believable. Yeah. So then yeah. my question is like, how is he going to look in John Wick 4? And it's going to be in a wheelchair. He, and, <laughs> and how is he going to look in the Matrix? Like, are we just going to lean so, into like super slow movement? Like, CGI. oh, like Matrix slow down, like every fight scene, super slow. So, <laughs> part of the part of why this is still like passable to me in a way is it, because it's fun, but because these guys clearly love the their martial art and making these choreographed scenes for a film. And so you get to see it all. Like they can make they can take a six year old and make them look like they're beating up the Hulk if they want. Like it doesn't you can do you can do anything. They can take any old decrepit someone and make them badass all of a sudden on screen with the right cuts, the right sound effects the right amount of CGI, like it doesn't matter. You can have anything. The cool thing about Keanu Reeves and these movies is they're not doing any of that. Mm -hmm. They're not doing the tricks. They're For not sure. doing the fast cuts. So you're getting to see these fights that are choreographed in a way that is, is doable because they're doing it. And yep. there's less jump cuts. You get to see it. So sometimes that's less impressive mm -hmm. unless you have, you're I dealing with gymnasts you know, flipping yeah. and flying all over the place. Right. I appreciate, I do appreciate that they don't take the easy route and do like a thousand cuts per fight scene. Yeah. Um, you know, I can think of uh, the, the best example I can think of is the Taken series with Liam Neeson. Like mm. watch a single fight scene from any of those movies and you don't actually see punches make contact because it always cuts like right before and like the camera's jumping all yeah. over the place. But yeah, um, I was going to say, if you want to watch a really great CG fight scene, go back the year, maybe 1997. Alan, you'll have to check on this. The movie, Baby Geniuses, CG <laughs> Baby beats up multiple grown men. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, the Lord. worst choreographed fight scene in all of movie history. 1999. <laughs> You know, I would say that's a bold statement, but just that description of a fight, I'm like, no, I believe that. That I'll take that at face value. Yeah. 
<laughs> but the whole thing is animated or just the baby is animated? Uh, like an no, John, they had a, a live action film. They had a little person stand yeah, in it's, and it's <laughs> a live action film. I know what he's talking about. No, it is a live uh, action film. They had a no, it's a CG. They took like a toddler basically and, yeah. and made a CG version of him. And uh, yeah, baby geniuses. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had okay fighting, you know, trained, um, you know, bodyguards or something like that. The men, the men are real. The toddler is CG, so it makes for a really okay. interesting scene. And if you know the state of uh, CG in '99, yes, you kind of get a general idea of what we're mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I mean, this if you like go back Phantom and watch Menace, yes, yeah, yes, we 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 know your take on that now. <laughs> John's still salty, if you can't tell. <laughs> oh, come on. For the time, it was great. For the time, it was great. But, you know, let's just be honest. Jar Jar Binks does not stand the test of time. Yeah, well, and that's why, like, I mean, when they can do stuff practical, I really, I do appreciate it because, honestly, the original Jurassic Park, it never needed touch-ups. It still is great. It's still great. Mm -hmm. It is. I I just actually recently rewatched the original Jurassic Park, and I was, like, blown away at how good... Yep. The animatronics were like, yep, just great. And then you watch some of the what, which one did was it number two that they started doing more CG elements anyway? No, it really was three more. Mm-hmm. Three was the CG, okay, this was the CG one, but anyways, I remember I remember going back and watching them and thinking when they like just very clearly noticing when they started doing more CG and being like, oh, yeah, like the original two still really hold up really well, but the yeah. I mean, well, they just get the uh, freedom. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, they get the freedom of movement and the large scale battles when they switch to CG. So that's the like yeah. the the temptation they have there. It's like, well, we want to show more of the dinosaur being more uh, alive and fighting with another dinosaur. And that's nigh impossible animatronic wise. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. And so they relied on the horror of not seeing a lot of the dinosaur often in the earlier, in the first two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was largely effective. You know, you could see when there's CGI in even the first one, it's a little weird, the raptors in the kitchen scene or whatever. There's one moment where they there's a, some added CGI there. And it, it mm-hmm. looks yeah. different than the rest. Right. right. I was just going to say, just to give you an idea of, you know, how special effects can vary from movie to movie in the same year. Alan did find that Baby Geniuses was 1999, the same year that The Matrix came out, the original. So just just to, like, paint a little picture of, you know, how CGI can go from bad to to good. But, But The Matrix was more about practical effects as well. Like when they got it know, is. I'm just saying like bullet time. Yep. But when you I'm just saying like some of the CGI. Matrix, yeah. Yes. Compared to the second then, matrix and that does not look good. Right. Yes. I, I, agree. I feel like the elements in the original matrix that were animated were not like living creatures. You know, it was like, yeah, like bullets or Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, there's like one or two moments where it's like Keanu, but you know they're so brief that you can really just like be like, mm, it's all right. Yeah. Like when he flies, I yeah. mean, you know. Yeah. See, but that's the thing. He doesn't do that until 
the end, the very end, he takes right. off. Right, right. So it's, spoilers. It's, <laughs> From 1999, I love it. <laughs> 22 years. I did it. You know, I did it. I, I wrecked. Darn it. You wrecked it. We just lost a whole viewing audience in one blow. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole generation that wasn't alive during the original release that oh, now God. are probably going to be watching it because of the, the whatever it is. Is it a reboot? Four, or yeah. Yeah. Number four. I don't know what it is. Yep. It's yep. just number four. Okay. It's number just number four. four. Yep. Yep, I think uh, most of the main characters are coming back. I've been meaning to rewatch them because it's been a long time. Rewatch all yeah. of them and the Animatrix, and um, I just i I very much enjoy those films. I mean, the first one in particular, but uh, there was moments from the others too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't think, you know, I'm trying to think of a seven degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of way to do this, but I don't have it. So Val Kilmer. Um, oh, no, we lost Shane's video. Oh, no. Um, well, we can stare at the lovely animation of IV camera. Yeah, my goodness. It's, uh, at least it's an entertaining, like technical difficulties, you know, kind of screen there. Yeah, it's something that's yep. Um, and he didn't drop call, so the screen. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. I, Excellent. I don't okay, know what's going on here? Okay. Well, we'll we'll stick with your audio for now. Then, um, so they're doing a Val Kilmer documentary. Yeah. It's just called Val. It's mm-hmm. totally unexpected for me. I used to be a very big Val Kilmer fan. So mm-hmm. this Amazon documentary uh, coming August sixth i believe mm-hmm. to theaters and then um no july 23rd to theaters august 6th to amazon oh okay uh, that makes more sense yeah and um he had sort of disappeared for quite a while mm-hmm. people were really wondering what the deal was he was being pretty private and all this stuff and um yeah now he's like more openly through this talking about having throat cancer and Mm-hmm. the stuff he went through and i guess he recorded just tons and tons of his life like all the time he was just always shooting footage um yeah so that's we'll get to see that's some of that what i'm excited about like you know kind of the, some of the behind the scenes you know other catching other stars as well as himself kind of candid moments that looks really fun just to kind of yeah. see like what goes on what do uh what do people do when they're just like hanging out on a set with each other? You know, what do they yep. talk about? What happens? So, yeah, I uh, I think it's the right time for this to come out. I mean, you know, we're going to be getting Top Gun in right. not that long. So. Kind of yep. kind of a little career resurgence for Val Kilmer here. I do have to confess, like before. Christian Bale. Batman movies, Val Kilmer was my favorite Batman. Just like really still great. I mean, still great. Like I'm not like downplaying like the fact that I still love Batman forever, but he was my favorite Batman. Okay. It was a great movie too. Yeah, absolutely was. It was before the Batman, um, you know, the whatever Batman movies, 
whatever saga really jumped the shark in my mind. But. With, oh, you with, mean with, with Batman with George and Robin? With... Yeah, with George Clooney yeah. and the, oh, uh, God. the bat, yeah. and the and the nipples on the bat suit. Oh, yeah. Just I, I think we all prefer not to think about it. I think even George Clooney is like, I don't want to think about what I did. Yeah, it was a dark moment in cinematic history. Yeah. No, it, it's a, it's just a, it's just a strange movie. But um, yeah, I, I really liked uh, Batman Forever. I think mm-hmm. it is probably, honestly, one of yeah, one of my favorite Batman movies. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, what is your favorite Batman movie? I mean, I don't know if I can pull myself out of the out of my my own rear end to say that uh one of the christopher nolan ones isn't the best right just because that was like such a big thing Mm -hmm. when those movies came out or at least when the dark knight came out but i I don't know i i did really like the the sort of tone that was set by tim burton in the first couple of batmans being carried on in the Batman Forever universe by a different director who I am blanking on right now. Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher. Did he do number? Did he do Batman and Robin too, or did somebody else? He come did in to do that. Then he did. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Yeah, I rem- I, I do remember Batman Forever being a little bit. Yeah, it was it was a little over the top, but I mean that's what you expected from like the Batman universe so far with Tim Burton's retellings and like everything Batman up until that point, Adam West, all that stuff was like, yeah, it was campy, but good. Campy. Yeah. Campy, but good. And kind of dark, you know? Yeah. Yep. And then I think the camp kind of overtook in Batman. and Robin. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, No, I did like it. I thought Jim Carrey was great as the Riddler. Tommy Lee Jones is Harvey Dent. Two face was great. Who else was in that movie? Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidd. Was she in that one? Yeah. She's yeah. uh mm-hmm. the, oh, the doctor. Meridian Chase. Chase yes. Meridian. Chase Meridian. Yep. 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 Debbie yeah, Mazar's yeah. in that. Drew Barrymore. A, a wacko. Yeah. Wacko. Is that a technical term? <laughs> I just love the That was a good line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, well, see if you say that, you know, one of the Nolan films has to be the best to me. Then that means the Dark Knight, because that's the best one. Yeah, Those yeah, three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and so, I love that movie, but I, um, I, I, you know, having with time separated now, I don't think I can like it more than Batman Returns or Batman Forever for sure. Mm, okay, and like. Because what stands out yet about the Dark Knight is obviously um, the Joker and Mm -hmm. Heath Ledger's performance. But the movie is not perfect. It ends kind of odd with the Joker. You know, clearly, to my understanding, it was designed that they potentially do some more with the Joker in the next one. Right. So understandable. But as a self-contained film. They wasted Two-Face. I won't spoil it and stuff but i'll just say that they they wasted him there mm. like two face should have been his own like he deserved focus and he didn't get it but it's then are but about. then are you judging dark knight for like not giving two face more time in a future movie do you know what i'm saying like are you are you judging his character solely within that movie or are you mad that like 
sorry, this will be spoilers, I guess, but that he didn't continue into the third. Because I think that's a different thing. Um, well, if you, if you assume what happens to him at the end happens to him, mm-hmm. then, you know, you know it's going to be done, and therefore then he has been wasted. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Damn. So, All right. And I, sort yeah, of, I don't know. I I sort of feel like those movies, the Nolan Batman trilogy, set the tone and and let me know if you can think of an example that doesn't fit this. But basically that started a trend in superhero movies where they were like one offing villains. Because in each of those movies, there's not a recurring villain. Like nobody comes back. Maybe he had originally planned for the Joker to be back in the third movie, but he, obviously yeah. wasn't. For yeah. Extenuating circumstances, but like, name a superhero movie before that 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 threw away villains. Sure. So, wait. So. So yeah. You're so saying, wait. It's you're like saying a, that like all the X Men. Like mm. they never killed Magneto, you know. They didn't just like kill sure. Magneto off in the first X Men movie, you know. Sure. Yep. I don't know. Maybe um, I'm, maybe I'm Spider Man. Maybe. Yeah. I guess they did kill off. Yeah, I I I think that it's I think it's more of a mix. You know, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm seeing the the trend with it. I thought you, where I thought you were going to go with that is how it set the tone for what DC decided they wanted to emulate in their cinematic universe going forward. Mm. Even though they couldn't get Christian Bale back and mm. they were had to do something different, they wanted to still feel like that. They really mm-hmm. wanted mm. to keep that magic going, even though they had no parts of that anymore. So they right. got Zack Snyder and everything is like broody and muted and everything. And it worked well as a, as a contrast to Marvel's bright and colorful thing. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't work. Like it wasn't the tone that was selling it. You know, it was everything else about the film that, you know, you need all the pieces. Mm-hmm. And so I think we got these sometimes unnecessarily dark uh, things until we eventually like broke out with like Aquaman and Shazam and some of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Even those, I mean, when you, I, 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 no, I guess I'm thinking more of, um, um, Aquaman's like being shot in, uh, um, God, what did we just watch of Snyder's? Oh, Justice League. Justice Center League. Cut? Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of like the way that he shot. It still is reminiscent of that, but that's, you know. Like his the, movies, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, aside, that was a side note, <laughs> side adventure there. Uh, I just wanted to say I'm excited for the Val Kilmer thing because it was like him yeah. and Brendan Fraser that was kind of like, oh, they disappeared. And like, what happened to those? They were, they were so cool. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, to not belabor some of these other things so we can get to our main topic, um, yeah. I did want to bring up Star Wars Visions. I'm pretty mm-hmm. down on Star Wars these days, uh, most of what it is. and uh, But Star Wars Vision seems kind of interesting. They're taking these different anime studios 
to make um, different um, versions of stories in the Star Wars universe. So this, to me, sounds promising mm -hmm. um, as potential anyway. So um, as long as they've been given like kind of free reign, you know, Star Wars Visions is traditionally like it's not considered canon at all. So it's just right. fun other stories. So as long as they've been kind of given carte blanche. That's what it seems like. I mean, from the I mean, you can make anything happen in a promo video for sure. But I mean, just the way that like the different stories were titled, the different looks that they got, like the um, different like animation styles. It really does seem like free reign to to kind yep. of go and pursue whatever you want to do. So, yeah, I hope it has like a John, you mentioned it earlier, kind of like an animatrix sort of feel. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah opens up the world a this. little bit, has these fun stories. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, absolutely. I think that's like inject some creativity into the world here, mm -hmm. this universe. Mm -hmm. so I think Star Wars has inspired a lot of people throughout the years, you know, and inspired a lot of creativity and, and creators and made people want to make films and write and do different stuff. Uh, yet none of that inspiration seems to stick around and play any impact in meaningful star wars stories so i'm right. hoping we get um yeah injection of creativity um in japanese related things yet yeah, ghost of tsushima is getting a director's cut mm -hmm. uh, official release for playstation 5 finally um it is coming to ps4 as well there are upgrade options i have held on this game for a long time so hopefully this is when I am able to dive in when this uh, releases. It comes with uh, the DLC from before and some new DLC. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm excited about that. Excited to finally be able to tell Dustin if I like it or not. So. <laughs> um, Was he a know, big fan? Yes. Huge fan. Mm -hmm. um, huge fan. So he's, I asked him about it, he's said he's, he'll probably be jumping back in to this. Like I say, you can get the PS4 and just get the upgrade cost. I think it's 20 bucks and you get the extra content. There's new mm -hmm. story stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Um, another PlayStation news, PlayStation state of play is tomorrow. Thursday, 4 p.m. Central Time. Um, it's going to be about 30 minutes, nine minutes of which is covering a Microsoft title that is now, however, exclusive to Sony, it's PlayStation and PC. Um, death Proof, or no, Death Loop. Death Loop, yes. That's it. Um, Arcane Studios is making a game that's very 70s kind of retro vibe where oh, you've got yeah. these two assassins that are trying to yes. like, kill each other and they keep... It's a time loop thing. Um, yep. I remember this now. So they're going to show like nine minutes of this. I don't need to see any more of it. I'm excited. I like everything that Arcane has ever made. Uh, I just... The game can just come out. So unless there's some shocker surprise, like I really don't care about seeing this. Um, I'm more interested in what surprises may we may get in the remaining uh, half of the show. Sure. So, yeah, I and I'm 
I, I mean, not that the comment section of anything are ever good, but I'm kind of excited to see the the toxic nature of this because if this is going to make a lot of people mad that a Microsoft-owned company's game is headlining the big because expectations were high for uh, for this event. Right. So, yeah. So wait, um, so it was originally going to be multiple platforms and that's why they're showing it or no. So, um, Sony was, uh, they've been going pretty hard for a couple of years trying to get exclusive third party deals to get, mm -hmm. uh, games on their system. And so they were approaching Bethesda for content. They were pushing to get some games. They were pushing to get, um, I guess, uh, Starfield. But what they managed to get was exclusive rights to um, Deathloop, this game from Arcane, and uh, Ghostwire Tokyo from Tango Gameworks. Mm -hmm. Both are under the Bethesda umbrella. Well, while that was happening, basically, Microsoft was talking to Bethesda and working out, well, ZeniMax owns Bethesda, working out a deal to buy the whole company. Yep. So these deals had already been put in place for these two games to be exclusive to PlayStation. Um, and then Microsoft made the deal to buy the whole company. Well, when in doing that, they've said, you know, we're look, we've made contracts, you know, they did before we own them. So those deals will be honored. So Deathloop will be coming to PlayStation 5 and PC and PS4, I'm sure too. Um, mm -hmm. And not on Xbox. Um, probably forever on death in Deathloop's case, and then Ghostwire Tokyo will eventually come out as a timed exclusive for PlayStation and PC. Mm. Um, but they are owned now and funded and promoted and everything by by the competitor. So I see. And okay, yeah. yeah. So interesting. Mm -hmm. So there will be people that will hate not buy this game. They will rage not buy this game because strictly it's because Microsoft owns. Oh, interesting. Owns their wow. company now. Yes. Yeah. Stupid. Insane to me. So yeah. Um. In Unless other you're a listener of this podcast, then it's totally sane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, thanks look, for humoring our, our viewers like, and listeners, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from from my perspective, like if, if I had the option and I wanted to play this game, I wouldn't choose to play it on PlayStation when it's a Microsoft owned property. I would play it on PC. Like it's kind of like if, um, you know, when Sonic first came to systems that weren't Sega, it was kind of weird at first. You know, it was like this character is a Sega character, and that was always on on the Genesis, you know, Master System, uh, Saturn, whatever, you know. And so it was odd when these things happen and whatever. Or even like now, she would rather not play Spyro the Dragon on Xbox. It's like she feels like it's a PlayStation property because mm -hmm. that's where you know, you know, it's like some of those games were fundamental to like making PlayStation stick and we're big right. for it and that's with their identity so this is not the same it's not a you know like a pre-existing i long-running ip i'm just saying it is a little strange when um you have these things that that occur like this so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then just quickly the nintendo switch 
This yeah. the system has been steamrolling the competition um, all over the globe, selling millions of units. They've released uh, or have announced a new updated version of the Switch, the Nintendo Switch OLED version. Mm -hmm. um, this has been largely uh, to the internet that's been hotly anticipating and like believing in rumors and stuff. This has been a letdown, a disappointment. Um, because there's no meaningful upgrade here yeah. processor wise, battery wise, cooling wise, resolution wise, frame rate wise, not, nothing meaningful in that way that people were expecting. Um, but you're getting a bigger screen. That's an OLED panel and, um, redesigned dock, a little better speakers. So, yeah. So some upgrades, but just an, not enough so that you'll have to buy the next generation. Yeah, I mean, if if you don't have a Switch and you're looking for a Switch, you should buy it. It's going to be mm -hmm. the better version, you know? Yep. But if you have a Switch, there's not much of a reason to, yep. you know, wait till yours breaks or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Shane, you're not, uh, you're not intrigued, interested in the Switch, huh? Oh, I am. I just... I really haven't pulled the trigger on any system yet. I, uh, mm. I honestly, if I was going to buy something, it would probably be Nintendo. It'd probably be a Switch, just because they have all of the things that I can't play on any other. Right. You know. So I mean, most of the games that I really want to play come out on PC, so I end up playing them on my PC. Mm, sure. But, yep. Um, yep. Absolutely. You know, and when I wanted to play, for example, a game. As you know, John, like uh, The Last of Us Part Two, I'm a mm -hmm. huge fan of that series. Mm -hmm. um, I just borrowed my brother-in-law's PlayStation Five mm, or sure. PlayStation, yeah, PlayStation four. Five, four. Played it on that, so. Yep. And since yeah, it was just no, a single-player campaign, it was like, all right, I did this and I played through it like twice, and it's like, all right, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yep. Well, and I think the the trend is going to continue where more and more of those games, even like The Last of Us, will probably get their PC ports at some point. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's I other like Naughty news. Dog hasn't released a single PC port of any of their games, right? Right. Uh, Uncharted 4 uh, is basically, I don't know if it's officially announced, but it's basically announced that that is coming to PC. Mm -hmm. um, surprising to people that the Uncharted trilogy isn't coming to PC first. Mm -hmm. So maybe it will. We don't know exactly. It's like, but, but um, yeah, they've made their intentions clear that they're going to be bringing a lot more of their games quicker to PC. Um, they bought a studio. It's a new, something could have put in the news too. They bought a studio. That's a port studio. It's literally what they do is port games to PC. So um, they have now an in-house company to uh do this so they don't have to take so much time away from the rest of their studios to bring games to pc mm -hmm. they've talked in investor calls about the crazy return on investment bringing games like horizon zero dawn or days gone to pc um, because it takes uh relatively speaking little effort and funds um to make this happen and mm -hmm. you expose it to a whole new audience. Right. So yeah, I, it's going to be it's going to be one of those things it seems that if you want the latest PlayStation 
exclusives first and you don't feel like waiting a year or two years, then you buy the PlayStation console. But if you can wait the year or two years or whatever, you know, I'm sure it would vary on franchise, then you can play it on PC if you want. So yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. The star of the show, Raised by Wolves, not the British comedy television series. Um, the Ridley Scott made HBO Max series um, instead. Well, let's be let's be technical here. Partially Ridley Scott made. Okay. Clear that up. Clear that for me. What well, he mean? only directed the first couple of episodes and then passed it along. So he didn't he didn't directed. write it, right? He did not write it. Nope. Um, at this writer, his last name begins with a G. It's it's a bit longer. It's like Guznizowski or something. <sighs> okay, okay, I feel I feel bad. I don't remember it exactly. But yes, yeah, so Ridley Scott only I believe directed the first two or three episodes and then handed it off. So Guzikowski. Well, he. Yeah. Oh. He must. Oh. Oh, I see. Okay. Guzikowski. Okay, um, so I was close. I was close. All right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, he must be producing yet then. I believe so. But yeah, I mean, he they really advertised it as Ridley Scott. Yeah. Ridley Scott. Yep. Yep. Um, and I know he was very excited about the project. And I think he's coming back to direct at least some of season two. Um, so spoiler alert for that, that there is a season two, um, but yeah, he did not direct all of the episodes. So okay. I don't know if that changes anything yes. in anybody's mind to know that, but there you go. Okay. So yeah, executive producer. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler time. Raised by Wolves, HBO Max. Um, yeah, I guess I should have looked up some of that. But, um, you know, part of... Um, what I have issue with a lot of shows and I, I feel like I've talked about this before or whatever, but um, setting up something that is really intriguing, really like I was grabbed Mm -hmm. by this right away with the interesting Mm -hmm. questions that were presented and the very film kind of style and the music and everything. Do you, Andrea, do you feel this like managed to hold that? throughout the series, that level of quality, the film kind of uh, feel? No, I do not. Um, I, like you, was very grabbed by the first couple of episodes in the season. Um, I, I would say I was probably with it, you know, really in there through like maybe six or seven. And then I felt like the last couple really veered off of you know this kind of like interesting path into like repeating the same questions exploring the same questions in different kinds of ways but ways that weren't necessarily new or interesting um you know like the the, a lot of the same themes came up and and that's fine like there's no shame in or no like um I don't know. I'm not trying to criticize, like, you know, trying to look at the same question from different angles or, you know, explore the same themes, but in different ways. 
but I just felt this, this got a little too repetitive and then veered a little bit into like, I'm not even following you anymore. Okay. What do you think, Shane? Um, I mean, I, I, how did it hold up? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I think I loved it. I'll just say that right out, right out of the gate. Mm hmm is exactly what I want want from like a especially a sci-fi type series that is like a new an exploration of a new kind of universe even though that universe is strikingly similar to the uh alien universe but mm -hmm. um or the I should say the Prometheus I guess universe which is I guess a tangent of the alien universe anyway um I felt like once maybe like third or fourth episode in I was pretty much locked in. Like mm. I, I didn't feel like I needed to be sold anymore on any of the plot and everything that happened. I was, I was fully engaged in and was on board wherever they were going to go with it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, ex and then in addition to that, I'm excited to see where it goes moving forward. So yeah, I um I mean I I agree that I um ultimately I really enjoyed the season. Um I was like going through it, I guess I was surprised. I I almost thought this was going to be a one and done sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um until obviously later and it you know clearly not going to answer the questions that need to be answered and some of that. Um but yeah, I thought that um there's a lot of sci-fi that feels really um, lacking in imagination. And I thought this felt very different. They didn't set up or explain immediately how or why we're here, like what the situation is. I think it's unique too that like our war, like we've fled Earth because basically a religious war um, but not like between two religions. Mm -hmm. It was like atheism versus a religion, mm -hmm. um, which I thought was different and unique. And I it it offered up all kinds of really cool questions. I I like here's one raised by wolves. What does that mean in this context? I figured it was um obviously a reference to the um found you know the story of the founding of rome right like mm -hmm. and also the colloquialism of just being like ad adopted or you know basically a, yeah raised by a, a different species and yeah. um you know these human children being raised by unfeeling androids i guess um because they definitely at least come off like that in the very early episodes that they mm -hmm singularly focused in terms of their programming and like this is what they're there to do and like can you raise you know human children or you know creatures that are as like emotionally you know diverse as human beings by you know an android or whatever i guess and i will say yeah. that when I came into watching this show it came off of a recommendation and i knew nothing of it and like i didn't even know it was ridley scott until um like the first you know, the credits were rolling on the first episode. Mm. 
beginning and it was like, you know, executive produced or directed by Ridley Scott. And it was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But, um, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting because um, where it started, at least in the first few episodes, um, was not at all where I expected it to go throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I quite like the title. It's very apt, um, especially I don't I don't know that you necessarily. I think it's better if you know the story of the founding of Rome, um, of Romulus and Remus, and you know the the mythology of them being raised by a she wolf and then building essentially the city that would become the center of civilization. Um, because that's you know what's going on here is you know. Uh, you know, young boy is being raised by parents of a different species in one character's case, Campion. Um, he's a human being raised by two androids, mother and father. And in another case, uh, our, our kind of counterpoint, Paul, who is a young Mithraic child, Mithraic, or Mithraism being the religion, um, is being raised by who he thinks are his parents, but are actually two atheists. So again, like creatures of, a, of you know, quote unquote, different species. Um, I think you can sort of stretch that term loosely here to define like, you know, mm-hmm. human beings of a different mind. Um, you know, he's being raised by them, but they're also looking to create their own civilization. Um so, you know, kind of kind of this story kind of repeats in two very different fashions. And we see this like side by side. How are each of them growing up, you know, under these different sets of parents? Um, and so there's a lot of exploration of, you know, like what makes parenthood, what makes personhood, you know, how can you um, raise a being of another species or conversely, how can you allow like kind of trust you know a being of another species to parent you you know and raise you so there's a lot of like similar questions that are explored through various characters that i quite enjoy um but like i said towards the end of the show kind of felt like we were veering away a little bit from those interesting questions and and kind of getting into a little bit of repetitive and i was kind of ready i was ready for something else Sure. I will say that it's, I think, a, a lot, maybe similar along those lines, Andrea, is mm-hmm. that the, the show definitely changes in tone. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, about the three quarters of the way through the season, like, it definitely focuses a lot more on something. Yeah. I, I, yeah like I just previously mentioned, like something I didn't see coming. And mm-hmm. that, uh, um, you know, the pregnancy of the mother character. Mm hmm. And through the virtual reality impregnation, whatever that, and, uh, and I, and I remember finishing the series or the season and thinking to myself, like, I have way more questions now than I did Mm -hmm. starting this thing. And, um, but I guess that made me very excited for where it potentially could go. I think it, it, creates a really high bar for them to have to you know pull this all together but there are Mm -hmm. great examples where they're they've been able to do that and um 
TV and movie history, I guess. And, uh, you know, I'm staying high hopes here that this kind of all comes together at some point. Um, sure. I will say that, like, not to jump too far ahead in terms of, like, some of the thoughts, but this is, I feel like, kind of a good opportunity. I sort of feel like, with regards to how it changes, like, mm-hmm. that we may see some type of, like, you know, time travel component to this. And that was, like, sort of where my head was at by the end of the season, especially when, you know, mother and father fly into the the core of the planet and come out wherever they came out. It seems like the same planet, but a potentially like different version of it. Hmm. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was, you know, a temporal shift or merely a physical, like we're in the tropical zone. Sure. You know, we'd made it to the it, tropical yeah. zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, certainly I, the way that it ends, obviously, leaves it open to anything you know being possible um you know just like simply ma- simply them making it out of the the core of the planet and re-emerging you know could be anywhere anytime you know kind of yeah. open-ended um so yeah so th- so those kinds of things i'm excited for i'm not unexcited like character wise like i really enjoyed getting to know the characters um of this show honestly especially mother and father um i think those the pair of actors who played them um did a fantastic job at inhabiting you know these very difficult roles where you have to balance like i'm an android and i have to you know make certain movements or only portray certain things but i'm also evolving you know yeah um beyond kind of my original programming so so it's i think a very delicate balance that i think both actors pull off very well it's just some elements of the literal plot line that i'm having a hard time with like to bring it back to mother's pregnancy i i definitely felt the the kind of focus shift here away from you know kind of the overall like how how do we colonize and how do we kind of build rebuild a civilization not necessarily a bad thing, but it felt a little jumping the shark when her baby turned out to be this like flying snake shark. thing. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> not to get too literal <laughs> into my metaphor here, but yeah. yeah. Um, and and there's nothing wrong with like subverting expectations and not having it come out and just like be a baby, you know, or yeah. like a, a human or whatever. But it just felt a little like that I mean, there's left field, and then there's like we're you know in the parking lot of the stadium now, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, and then it like just flies away. Yeah, and then just leaves. It grows to like <laughs> twenty times its size, and it's like cool. See ya. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I I I I'm with you on that. I did feel like there was yeah there were some very strange things that made me feel like oh that's it like we're not gonna get more now like what the hell was that you know and. Mm-hmm. And that all kind of, all of that, all of those kind of like dumbfounded looks that I imagine I had watching this show <laughs> kind of all occurred maybe in like that last episode. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, it definitely felt like it changed shows a little bit. Um, same characters, but just all of a sudden in a different thing. And um, yeah, but I will, but, but I will say that there were some things that, or at least I'm kind of hoping 
whether they're true or not, they definitely come back to like, and not to, not to dwell on the time travel, my time mm-hmm. travel theory, but like, you know, when they first get to the planet and it's the desert planet and like there's giant, like reptilian or draconic sort of like bones. Yeah. It made me think yeah. like, okay, these are like evolved versions of the giant snake that we see at the end of the show. Sure. Like, and the campions, like the campion that reprogrammed mother is the same campion that she births later on the planet. Mm-hmm. We know that um, for any keen-eyed uh, watchers out there, we know that most likely that at some point based on there's like some cave paintings in one of the episodes that I think Paul stumbles upon or something. Yeah, but, I um, think so. There's like a, a, a particular cave painting where it's like one, like it looks like an arc-like ship flying away from the Kepler planet to what looks like Earth. Mm-hmm. So that means that somebody travels to or has traveled from the planet that the show is set on back to Earth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there is some sort of temporal shift where like the young campion who has been poisoned by the the tubers or the carbos or whatever, but has yet to show the 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 effects of it mm-hmm. ends up on Earth and is now as in more of an adult suffering the consequences of having consumed so much radiation in the form of those carbos early in this early in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, he has something wrong with him, like cancer or something, because he dies very shortly after sending mother away right mm-hmm. so, right hmm. yeah that's I mean, an interesting theory my uh yeah my likelihood of supporting that I, there's some connections there mm-hmm. yeah i was um time stuff is always difficult like it works well in rick and morty because it doesn't matter <laughs> you know like it can always just start over but when it has to like continue continue on uh, in, in a serious way. It's really tough. So like, I'm okay with them doing time stuff. It's you know, and I wouldn't put it past them because we have gotten these big jumps. Like, whoa, okay, that's happening. Okay, that's happening. Kind of thing. And um, so I could see it, but I'd be worried about them doing it too. It could be really cool and have a good payoff if if it's done right. I guess. Mm-hmm. But. Or maybe not even time travel, but just like, um, you know, large jumps in time throughout the plot of the series, you know, like Mm -hmm. season two starts five years from the end of season one, you know, and all the kids are now aged up, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, um, I was surprised they didn't answer a few more things. Um especially when they started asking raising so many questions right in the last couple episodes like you say seeing the cave paintings being attacked by a person that they were like calling a devolved human here's a neanderthal skull all of a sudden like this whole sea so whole season you've been largely alone we have gotten the hints that there's someone else a shadowy something following people maybe this seems like the spirits of the dead you know weird stuff um and then all of a sudden we start getting like yeah other 
life that like we get see the little cards that remind him of tarot cards from back home you know right and then at the very end you know and we get another group of people and to me that was um it was odd that this arc that was coming with all these people and this advanced technology and this other ship coming that they had no awareness of this other life and happenings on the planet mm -hmm. you know it's always a thing like scan below for life you know and activity and heat sources and all this stuff and to not know that mm -hmm. someone else had been there has been there whatever yeah. seemed odd now, so correct, I wonder if there's an answer for that at all or yeah I correct me if I'm wrong but wasn't there a point in the plot I don't remember which episode I think kind of early on where maybe one of the flashbacks to earth when just before the Mithraic are leaving um like they say that there was some signal that was received from the planet and that's why they're leaving hmm Ooh. That is, yeah, that. that is a detail I do not remember. So that I mean, it's it's certainly plausible. I'd have to go back and check or rewatch maybe. Um, but I know that uh, mother and father have no idea, which also seems crazy for like two, you know, androids who are kind of programmed to look after, you know, birthing you know, an entire new race, like what they're supposed to do is, you know, create this whole new colony and civilization that they wouldn't have had any idea. Because I, I think it's like episode seven or eight that father's like, mother, I'm beginning to suspect that there is a dark history on this planet of which we were previously unaware. And it's like, but you're just beginning to suspect that? Like, you know, it, it does, it does stretch incredulity a little bit to, mm -hmm. to have them be like completely unaware mm -hmm. and like when mother's flying around all on her patrols yeah thing, yeah like you don't but then all of a sudden you know our uh you know disillusioned gone mad guy um starts he just stumbles across a camp you know so you, you know you'd never see they never saw fire before um in the distance you know like mm -hmm. i it it doesn't wreck things for me it just was they were throwing a lot at us all of a sudden fast mm -hmm. changing a lot changing up the world and it seemed like some of that could have been paced more yeah um throughout the season that we could have because the audience was cued in that something else was going on but you know what exactly we could have started queuing in some more characters soon started that investigation sooner like she could have found those tarot cards earlier and had that flashback there of like seeing some ritual with people and then running into basically the remains of that were in that ritual mm -hmm. um we could have ran into that earlier to like you know to start understanding like stuff has happened here before you know, mm -hmm. and then for that to come to pass where this thing is like puking out white fluid from its mouth as it's contained in this box. And now mm -hmm. she starts puking out white fluid and then births the snake, you know, is this a ritual or thing that's been done repeatedly? And it, it lends to your time kind of thing or destiny or something, you know, yeah. that's uh, showing this kind of thing. And so I think all that stuff is cool. It just 
it was a lot at once. And um, there is definitely when we already have to suspend our disbelief, some uh, like the idea that an Android can become pregnant and you know, that this was set up to be this way and all this stuff. It was, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I was looking at some of, um, you guys' notes to see what kind of things you wanted to talk about. Um, what do we think of, um, here's, here's a, a thing you wrote, Andrew, about the notion mm. of reprogramming an Android. Yeah. Yeah, I was interested um, in, I mean, firstly, the idea of, you know, kind of older Campion, uh, Earth Campion, wh- whatever, <laughs> however you kind of wanted to find him from, you know, our child raised on Kepler. Um, you know, he's the leader of the atheist movement. And he's, you know, mother's creator, she called him father's creator. And he takes her from the Mithraic cult, religion, whatever you want to call it, um, and reprograms her to be like the exact opposite of what she was. She was, um, you know, kind of a war machine that they call a necromancer. Um, And he reprograms her not only to completely believe in like the atheist uh, cause and belief system, but also to be a caregiver. I mean, she's still got, you know, like, She's got the feature where she can turn back into, you know, the necromancer and she can, you know, destroy. But her primary function is to now raise and nurture life, which is like the complete opposite of what she was programmed to do. Um, And it just it's weirdly reminded me of like the Terminator where, you know, like Mm. this killing machine is like sent to destroy one woman so that the you know the leader of the the rebellion against um the machines will never be born and like that's his sole function and then in terminator 2 he's been like completely reprogrammed and like his only function is to save them and we love that idea we love that sort of like complete 180 that if we just like switch a few wires and you know enter a few codes this this being can be completely different from what they were. And I just sort of wondered, um, and we, I mean, we see that to a smaller extent with father too, when he gets like retaken by the Mithraic and gets reprogrammed to just do his like original service mode. Like, I just wonder if we like that because, or we're fascinated by it because humans can't really do that. There's no like switch you can push on a person and have them do like a personality 180. You know, we like, redemption stories and we like the idea that people can be changed but it's always hard it's always you know this like epic journey to change somebody whereas like an android you could just switch it up mm-hmm. yeah i don't know no. maybe i just yeah. like talk no, to myself I... through my own theory but i just <laughs> yeah I find no it, i mean i find it very interesting um, mm-hmm. yeah i it, it, you know is it is it born out of like the um technical or practical elements like how we think of computers or is there mm-hmm. a greater you know greater desire uh like you say to be able to, to change oneself and an envy there i mean we mm-hmm. certainly see 
you know, why we, why do we create, or is that, why is the ideal to create robots or androids that look like us, that walk like us and function mm -hmm. like us when we could make something more efficient, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's always that kind of question, obviously for raising children. I mean, you, you want that, you get that empathy, that, that bond from a human face, you know, yeah. that, mm -hmm. uh, an R2D2 would, would accomplish <laughs> less. You gotta, if you're going to have them do human, like, you know, if their purpose is to serve human like functions, you have to get them out of the uncanny Valley. Right. Cause otherwise mm -hmm. yep. humans you're using them to train or teach or whatever aren't mm -hmm. going to actually listen or are going to be afraid, you know? So, right. I think that's actually not to change to a whole, you're going to lose my, you, you lost my video. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> having technical difficulties and I'm just done with it. I, anyways, <laughs> um, but no, so, so I'm, 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 um, I was just thinking, uh, with kind of on that subject, like mm -hmm. taking another sci-fi, um, a favorite sci-fi story of mine, um, interstellar. And you think about like the, oh, yeah. the AI or the robots or the, you know, the androids and that, I don't know if they're really androids, but the, you know, whatever the robotic monoliths that are assistants in that movie and how they communicate like humans and they're intelligent like humans and they serve lots of purposes and they're not built to look like humans at all. But like, as, as I'm watching that movie, for example, I can't help but feel unsettled when I'm watching like something with mm. human level intelligence that isn't human. Mm -hmm. And then you look at something like mother and father, you know, which very closely resemble humanity and, you know, look and think and operate much like humans do. And it's a lot less disturbing, at least, mm -hmm. to, at least enough so that you felt, or I felt like I could, you know, connect with these characters mm -hmm. um, and actually, you know, empathize with uh, their plight, I guess, when, you know, yeah, I mean, it clearly seems to work on, like, the children, too. Like, the the Mithraic children that Mother ends up taking. I mean, they end up falling into, like, calling them Mother and Father without yeah. irony, I think, um, it, by the end. And they, they sympathize with them, and they want, um, you know, th when they're reprogrammed, they want the old, like, nurturing, empathetic, like, Mother and Father, the human-like you know, qualities, they want them back. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, like, you know, this, this notion of, of, it's just programming, and you can switch it, but it's clearly meaningful. Right. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see the movie, uh, what was it, we covered on this before, Andrea, was a mother? Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, that, you know, that has the the mother that does not look like a human. Yep, definitely uh, so. just like straight up robot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is this yep. the one with, um, what's your name? Yeah. Um, in the boxing movie? Or am I thinking of something different? Sorry, who did you say? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, oh no, no, that's that's yeah. that's yeah. Darren Aronofsky's like mother where she's like mother earth and yeah. 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 No. So what's the other? It was a famous actress that did. Yeah. She's in the boxing movie and Clint Eastwood's boxing movie. Hillary Swank. Yeah. 
Was it really? That was her, wasn't it? Or someone looks like just like another her. movie called Mother. Yeah, I never saw that one. This is called Mother, but maybe it has like maybe it's set up. Oh, like a, I am Mother. I am. Mm. Mother. OK, yeah, but it is Hillary Swank. You are correct. Mm -hmm. OK, OK. Yeah, could not think of that. But yes, you are correct. Um, okay. Yeah, there's there's definitely, I think, something more sinister about like the mother robot in that movie where we like are more prone to distrust her because she doesn't look human. Right. You know what I mean? We're more yeah. like willing to, to jump to like sinister motives because she's not human. Like, mm -hmm. yep. Um, what's, uh, how about this? I like this, this follow-up thought you have here as well, Andrew, about the, um, mm. um, how an Android can hold two contradicting thoughts. Yeah. So I just, uh, when, you know, they're, they're kind of further along in their, their colonization and father's teaching all the children to hunt because he feels he has to make himself more useful. You know, that you've got to start looking out for their survival, you know, mother and father aren't going to be there. So it's kind of like the, the, you know, independence, we've got to teach them to be independent. Um, Campion does not want to hunt. He doesn't want to harm another creature because apparently his sense of empathy is so developed that he just like, you know, can't can't stand the thought of that. Um, so I just thought it was really interesting where he. It's like right after he has a disagreement with the other children about, you know, going hunting and I think about something else and he punches Paul and then runs away and mother is is yelling at him about how, you know, you have to practice pacifism, you know, like you can't do violence against your fellow human beings and violence isn't the answer. And then he's like, okay, well then don't make me go hunt with father. And she's like, nope, you have to learn to survive. Go get hunting. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like very contradicting to be like, pacifism is the way. Now go do this violent thing for your survival. So. And also she's like, killing hundreds oh yeah no she's like a thousands yeah of like people on board a ship like right right she's like the expert at killing yeah. um but yeah but like somehow in her brain like you know or her programming these contradicting thoughts of you know i i can teach him pacifism and that's great but i should go slaughter these people in droves and then also like he should not you know commit violence but then, like, go hunt, which right. is, by its very nature, violent. Um, yeah, it just, it, it really intrigued me. And it was like, is, because if you think of an, a robot or an android as, like, solely logical, like, you know, like, they're so emotionless and reason is their guiding principle, then she should be able to recognize, like, oh, yeah, that, that contradicts itself. So I got to choose one or the other. And I just thought, like, is is her capacity to hold those thoughts because humans hold those thoughts because right. we, we always hold like double standards in our brain and think it's perfectly logical. Monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. Yep. Kind of thing. Or do as I say, not as I do, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Which is which is very parent like of her right. if if right. that's the case. Um, not gotten to that stage of parenthood myself, uh, since my daughter cannot, you know, understand words yet. But mm -hmm. Yeah, it just it was very interesting to me because, you know, we think of androids as like more rational creatures. 
Yeah. Well, that seems like a very, you know, mama or papa bear type mentality, right? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm, I don't want to teach my kids to be murderers or killers, right? But mm-hmm. I got to do what's necessary to survival. Yeah, to protect my kids, sustain their life and livelihood, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if that means mass genocide, then I guess that's what it's going to take. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it, it is a, the error though of using the word passes pacifism. Then mm-hmm. you know, like if you're going to almost like this is a this is a doctrine or this is a a core tenet of like what how you live, like that's a mistake. You know, the yep. teachings can be um you know don't do unjust harm like don't uh you know don't do violence unto others you know when not 100 percent necessary kind of thing you know like there can be lessons and i i i suppose the idea maybe is that something more nuanced is more difficult for a child to understand but at the mm-hmm. same time i feel like the logical android is more of you know, well, we're, you know, you got to face reality, you know, you have to face reality here and this is the situation or whatever. And so therefore, you know, like you say, you must, you must hunt, you just must do this, whatever. And um, so it seems uh, like they're underestimating the children to have to like, try to dumb it down to Mm -hmm. never, never be violent, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought this would be interesting for you, Shane, because I know you've talked before about, um, like, you know, the difference between animals and humans, and like that distinction, and you know, are they are they right to teach the children pacifism? That's a tough question. I don't know. In the context of the show, I mean, it is what it is. I think. I I, I don't know. I I felt like there was. Yeah, obviously there was. There were. Um, a lot of contradicting, you know, choices made by mo- almost all the characters, right? Like none of them are, or all of them are fallible in their own way. And they all make like contradictory choices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it kind of almost argues like that androids, or at least in the case of mother and father, are certainly as capable, if not more, um, of raising human children if they're going to act so human as to, you know, kind of mimic our sense of, you know, do as I say, not as I do, or, you know, any other number of contradicting beliefs like that, that Mm -hmm. here are our ideals for you, but also we recognize reality. So go contradict those ideals when necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. And as we see later, you know, towards the end, the the whole jealousy element between yeah. mother and father, you yeah. know, I, I was pretty surprised by that. I didn't think, you know, you kind of feel it as a human watching the show. You kind of think, mm-hmm. oh, well, father must feel a little put out right now, you know, but clearly the android's not going to feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be logical about it, you know, and like understand that. You know, she is now aware that the mission always was to practice raising children with these other children. And now here's the real thing. And of right. course, that's just going to, you know, but instead it's, yeah, it is met with, with emotion. And so mm-hmm. that's always, 
it's always a tough thing to do because it's it's very difficult to explain or to get an audience to the point where we believe and understand that these androids are are more than machine you know mm -hmm. they're that they they can get emotional somehow they can change uh somehow um, so assumably that programming though for mother to like like you said john like her her main directive isn't to raise human children. That was something that was added onto her by the Earth Campion. Mm -hmm. And yep. so there's a there's a deeper prerogative for her to get pregnant and have snake babies or whatever, which <laughs> must have been programmed in her at some point. And based on the timeline of the series, there's not really a moment where we could say that like yeah this was added at this during this scene or this moment in time maybe outside of like when she's in that virtual you know the virtual reality bed thing that perhaps somebody could have messed with her then mm -hmm. i'm kind of more of the mind yeah. to think that this is like a deeper layer of programming at the necromancer level that like she is basically a tool of destruction and like at a very core level she was programmed to basically give birth to greater levels of destruction or whatever in the form of this interesting you know snake like so so then it would be a mithraic programming yeah maybe or even like pre-mithraic like pre-adoption of this religion like whatever it is because you know oh you mean like like any human before like they got divided between mithraic right. and atheism because in the story sure, sure, sure. of this of the show, like the Mithraic humans on Earth or the adopted the religion based on some ancient text or whatever mm -hmm. that was brought to them through some mysterious means. Like it wasn't something that they wrote themselves. It was something right. that they adopted. And and they built the necromancers based on the instructions that were found within the the Mithraic mm -hmm. texts that they received. So so do you think the whole like um, interfacing with her creator, as she refers to him, and um, and them having sex and stuff, do you think that's like merely coincidence and there's no function to that then at all? Like this is her inner something playing out? Yeah, and like, like an inner, in like some sort of like pre-programmed unlocking sequence or something like mm. that that's being okay portrayed through you know her right. something you can yeah. understand visually and i sensorily. yeah i i kind of would almost prefer if that were the case like i don't i don't know it, perhaps like what kind of programming you know sequence this is if it's part of her deeper programming if it's you know like you say somebody messing with the the pod that she's in when she's in that that vr um, but thinking back to like our, our previous, you know, conversation about the way that mother and father, um, kind of evolve and father shows this like jealousy towards the end. Um, it would make sense if this was simply part of her programming, because to me, it felt like mother in, in going back to these, you know, VR, episodes and visiting her creator she was sort of evolving in a way and you know experiencing new emotions like she obviously you know 
was attracted to her creator and was like desiring to interact with him as a human would like she she kind of stepped into herself and tried to kiss him back and you know it kind of was evolving that way but then when she told father about it she seemed surprised that he would have similar you know human emotions like this is just like a thing i'm telling you you're jealous like but I haven't even told you like the thing about being pregnant and you know but my she new program. She did try to hide it. She and she did. Like, so you so you. She made did. It. <laughs> well, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did. But then she, like I said, she also sort of like was surprised at father's reaction. It's like, but mm-hmm. you were evolving these new emotions. Why shouldn't father evolve yeah. these new emotions? So it was very like a, a little disconnecty for me. So if this was just like kind of a program that's, you know, unfolding in a sequence, that would make more sense to me. And we don't really know the full backstory of father either, right? Like very true. Fleshed out on on mother and where she came from, but maybe father has got just as complex a background too. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see it. He was honestly one of my favorite characters. Yeah, and like how was he able to, you know, kind of um you know, subtly keep his, you know, service when they read when the Mithraic reprogrammed him to be his original service. That was cool. Right? Mm-hmm. And then his finger was still twitching because, you know, there was still shades yeah. of his father programming there. Like, yeah, really something deeper that's going on there as well. But mm-hmm. So what did you guys think of the religion and soul and stuff? Because that definitely kept me intrigued. Like, I liked that the show, um, it didn't, I don't know, it wasn't like forcing anything on me. Like, it really was an ex- exploration and of, of an attempted atheist um, kind of upbringing versus... A religious one i thought i i love that element of it but then like there was clearly something to soul like mm-hmm. i mean you see the the magic or the miracles or the things happen the voices uh come to people's head and um you know is there a is there a real purpose to all the things is soul directing this is he a uh godlike entity or is it is it a, uh just a more advanced being that like mm-hmm. um sees a way for the world or or a way to spread their religion or their control or, or like do we have any theories here who is soul the yeah. snake i'll the wear snake. the shirt the yeah, soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they both begin with us <laughs> yeah who is uh is there a th- is there a shirt that says who is soul? That'd be a good shirt. I mean I we can make one. Let's make one. We'll put that star sun yeah. on yeah. it. <laughs> um no, I think that's I, I think that's the, the biggest question that's left over. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously there are a lot of questions left over, but the biggest question I think is who is soul and what is he or she or it trying to accomplish, you know whose side are they really on or is, are they just playing everybody? Basically, are they manipulating everybody? Because it does seem like the soul voice speaks to whoever. I think the only Mm -hmm. we haven't seen the soul voice speak to are the androids. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. But otherwise, Mithraic, atheist, children, adult, like the voice mm-hmm. has spoken. So, um, did the voice speak to any women? Yeah, I was show? just thinking about that. And it's like, not that I know of. Yeah. Not that I can think of. Nothing clear because. Um, yeah, I mean, like we had the the female, I mean, obviously not Sue that we saw, but I was thinking about like the female like priest or whatever you would call mm-hmm. her. Well, there um, was the little girl the older. That, that jumped into the hole. Um, Callie? Yeah, I think there was some Wasn't illusion. she like after something? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a voice or if that was something else. Yeah, nothing that I think that they outrightly demonstrated, like from the point of view of the character, they're hearing the voice. So I think you're sure. right. Right. It, Soul right is sexist because it's always, I mean, like when you think about it now, like there's always been a, uh, a woman really getting the raw end of the deal on a lot of the commands, mm-hmm. you know? So um, with, um, you know, Marcus, uh, you know, obviously we have a, the breakup of a longstanding relationship mm-hmm. as he goes, as Marcus starts to go crazy. Um, and then um, their son eventually hearing Soul's voice and shooting his adopted mm-hmm. mother. And then the, the poor girl that was raped mm-hmm. by the guy in the helmet. Yeah. Um, Tempest, you know, yeah. And s- yeah. And so you start thinking about these things like, what is the purpose? Like, if this is a God and a benevolent one or one worth worshiping, um, what is what is the design here? Mm-hmm. You know, are we going to are we going to get that design and understand the meaning and the purpose like that? Or are we going to find out that? I mean, certainly for ages, people have worshipped gods not because they were worthy of worship other than just like, you have complete power over my existence, I believe. So therefore, please, please, please take my goat and harvest so I may, you know, not Mm -hmm. die this winter or whatever. So I find a lot of the, a lot of like similarities between this series and the Prometheus and Alien Covenant movies in the sense that like the androids, or I guess even alien, the original alien too, like the androids as they're presented are basically just like these kind of like, or the AI or whatever are just kind of like these, they're just there to experiment. Like they don't really have um, holdups, like ethical holdups with regards to experimenting with life. And like the whole point of it is to create more and more advanced lives or to put put creatures in a situation where like they're going to be challenged by each other and to like see what happens basically like maybe there isn't mm-hmm. a soul maybe soul is like an ai maybe the soul is like the poly that black polyhedron that's buried in the you know in the desert and is like just controlling things to bring people to this planet to sort of like See what happens, you know, which would be kind of a, I don't know, it'd be kind of a weird narrative, I guess, to end on Mm -hmm. is what soul is. It's just all random. But um, I know that is a common thing in like the the Ridley Scott type, you know, like there's there's not necessarily reason behind why people do the things that they do, but they're Mm -hmm. they're they're making the choices sort of like based on 
their their demonstrated influences whether it's through their parents or their teachers or whatever that like um yeah i don't know so i i think that like you know like if we think i don't want to i don't want to get away from um raised by wolves but if you think about the mm -hmm. david character in prometheus for example like he is basically doing what he's seen done in his entire existence which is like the sort of like creation of life and like his father created him and he wants to create his own life so he creates his own life you know and right i'm kind of feeling getting that same sort of feel from the from the soul entity you know like this sort of like you know what's going to happen when we put these elements together or and not really know the outcome just kind of go for it mm -hmm. sure. yeah it's a tricky thing to then make to make satisfying for an audience you know you got to make mm -hmm. sure that um you know if you build too much that feels like an or a grand plan or grand scheme or something and um people talk about that you know the kids are talking that we're we're here to you know witness the birth um that kind of thing then um yeah you just have to be i think be careful with that though i do in general like and find it far more plausible the idea of vengeful terrible human like gods mm -hmm. you know uh, it's something i we always like about um you know whether it is roman mythology or or norse or whatever the idea mm -hmm. that there are many gods and they quarrel with one another they're mm -hmm. fighting all the time you know they're cheating on each other they're ha you know like they're it's it's a debaucherous terrible awful thing and mm -hmm. then they have rule over, you know, dominion over some important aspect of your life. It mm -hmm. seems, it seems way more plausible than a, you know, omnipotent being that can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. and I think that just like to me just goes beyond the pale of of uh, of believability. So I when yeah, you know, uh, so I do like that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. I do like I. I like following along with that, the fact that in, in Raised by Wolves, um, if we are assuming the Whisperer is soul, you know, that, that we're going to take that and, and, and run with it right now, at least until proven otherwise, the, this god seems kind of petty. Like, he's whispering in different people's ears, you know. Uh, I guess I, I say he, but, you know, that's because the characters say he, could be she, whatever. Um, could be a they. Um, Sol is like, you know, hey, how about you go after this person? Hey, kid, like, did you know your parents aren't really your parents? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. It just, like, he's, Sol is telling people to do some kind of, like, wacky things, and he's imparting some random, you know, bits of advice, like, that seem, um, like, counter to the person's best interests like when soul whispers to marcus that mother shouldn't be killed like really for the for the mithraic she should be she's a danger as long as she's alive no no amount of reprogramming is going to do anything and yet soul keeps whispering like you know should save her don't kill her yeah. so i don't know it just it didn't really seem like you say it doesn't seem like the voice of a benevolent god that can do no wrong it's more like 
Well, see what happens if you don't kill her. Or yeah. 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 And now that she's had her snake baby, I wonder if the voice would still tell people to <laughs> not kill her. her. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe her purpose is served, or like, wow, that's some crazy shit that just happened there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happens to her now, you know? Yeah, right. Um, I do think it's interesting that we get one other sort of take on religion in this world where, um, you know, mother and Sue are having one of their kind of first bonding conversations. Um, and Sue or Mary, however you want to call her. Um, and she says, you know, I can't have children, but now when I took over this body and this face, I gained a son and, you know, it's like all I ever wanted and I love him so much. And I can certainly see now why people think, you know, when they've stumbled into such great fortune that they just can't even imagine how lucky they are that they have to invent a God to thank for it. Because how else could this, right. you know, wonderful I thing could have come? Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting notion about like, you know, I just I can't believe my good fortune. It just it's not it doesn't seem possible that I could have earned it or stumbled into it by pure luck it must be by design and therefore i must thank somebody for it and therefore you know i'm going to create somebody good or bad honestly right she right use the example of good. i mean when you think about people for most of all of time like just the idea that um you know everything's everything's shit it's all terrible you know so you know and and your life feels like you have no control over it yeah. You know, so you really do feel like anything that comes your way, good or bad, you do have to thank something else because your entire existence, you know, for most of mankind, everybody has been a slave. So mm -hmm. you're a slave, you do what you're told, like you probably die young, you know, your children are born into being a slave, they do what they're told. Like you're, you have no very little uh, autonomy over your life. And so why should anything be any different, mm -hmm. you know? So when you are blessed with something or something is particularly terrible, right, isn't that also the responsibility of something else? Right. And um, so I feel like that's another element of it. Not only just like something, you know, where, where you're just used to not having control of your own existence. Mm -hmm. so, um, kind of tying into... Um, you know, tying into the religion thing, I like your comments here, Andrea. Mm -hmm. How many uh, in belief systems go along with what others want to hear? Mm. Um, and how many truly believe? Mm -hmm. um, so for the show or for anything, it's, um, it's a good question. Yeah, this show really, like, takes a dive into people who really believe, who seem to really believe, you know, um, who sort of like get roped into belief systems, you know, the way Marcus does. He obviously starts out as an atheist, but by the end, we are truly convinced that, you know, he's a believer in soul and, you know, mm -hmm. he's, he's, you know, all in on this religion. Um, but then, you know, or like Paul is the same, you know, he's, he's pretty in, once, you know, Saul proves himself by restoring Mouse. Um, but then, you know, we have people like Tempest, who is, like, just going along for the ride, just saying what everybody wants to hear, just, like, and she gives the same advice to Campion to save his life. She's like, listen, be practical. 
just go along with it. Like that's what I did. Mm. And you know, it's, it's saving my life. So I don't know. It just made me think a little bit more about, I guess, both sides, like how many people just go along with something because it's practical, because they know it's what others want to hear. Um, maybe because that's the way that they were raised and they don't really believe it, but they're just like, yeah, my parents or my father figure or mother figure, you know, believes in yeah. this thing. So there's, and, there's and, a lot of different that in this show. Go ahead. Jim. And in extension to that, like how many of the supposed true believers, right? Like I see in your comment, you kind of have in parentheses, Paul, like would maintain that sort of mm-hmm. that strong strength of belief, right? That conviction. If they weren't, you know, if they didn't have the eye of their God, you know, if they weren't hearing the voices or if they weren't being praised by the high, the high authority of the religion as being sort of like prophet, like by building my little sandcastles or whatever. Yeah. Right. You know, if all of a sudden it turned on him, I think we have an example of that in the show, right? Like in the form of Marcus and right. him hearing the voice. And then for the rest of the season, like not being able to hear the voice and basically doing whatever it takes to try to hear the voice again to the point right. where he's now losing his mind, you know? Right. Well, and that's so interesting. It's like, how long is he going to keep trying? Like, is he now a true believer that just because he heard it that, that couple of times, like he's, he's like, I'm going to do anything or to get it back. Or is there eventually a point where he says, you know, I'm, I'm through. Yeah. Will there be enough of his mind to like rationally say I'm done? (laughs) Yeah. Like I want to destroy the God that set me on this path, the supposed Mm -hmm. God that set me on this path and and betrayed me or left me alone or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. be interesting. Yeah. I mean, you see the depth of his belief where it had gotten them because then he starts taking everything as a sign. All the Mm -hmm. church temple burns down sign. And then he sees, you know, like, I don't know if he sees a bird or he sees the ship, you know, and he's like, and he's thanking soul at these different moments, you know, Mm -hmm. like, thank you for showing me or whatever. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, he's, I mean, but, but it's one of those things. How could you not, you know, it's, it's, it's one of that, those kind of experiences where you talk about ghosts or whatever, you talk with someone, it's like someone experienced something. They saw a shadow figure or a spirit or that their senses told them they saw this thing. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty powerful thing to then have to deny, you know? So if you're very clearly hearing voices, being told stuff you shouldn't know or whatever, um, seeing someone spontaneously combust, you know? Um, yeah, it's a hard thing to, to, to deny and to kind of try to rationalize yourself out of. Mm-hmm. So don't blame yeah. them, I guess. Well, also like, you know, you think about, how much is like is the result of influence on from past experiences, you know? So you think about um, Marcus and his extremes, like, but he was also, you know, a child soldier. And mm-hmm. how does that affect his, you know, adult susceptibility to being indoctrinated in anything, right? Like, mm, sure. If that was your reality in your most formative years, like, you're going to be, I feel, extremely susceptible to, you know, temptation in terms of, like, 
you know, where am I the most powerful? Where do I have the most control over my life? Mm -hmm. Because my experience thus far has been very little control. And what's going to grant me greater autonomy or greater, you know, authority, you know? And to take your point, oh, no, go ahead. No, I, was, I mean, you go, you go, John. Well, to take your point, Andrea, and like go one, I guess, one step further. Um, mm-hmm. you, how many people are part of a group or a belief system that don't ever really bother to think about it? Like mm-hmm. it just is a, it just is a part of existence. It just is a it is a part of, of you and everything you've, you've known. So you don't have to like, are those people believers if you Mm -hmm. haven't actually pondered and like decided and, you know, like, I feel like that's a lot. I feel like there's a lot of people and can be applied to probably a lot of things in life where there are some things that are just go unconsidered. Yep. Just go unthought of. And, um, and then all of a sudden, maybe someone like running into a wall abruptly has to think about something that mm-hmm. they just kind of taken for granted forever. Mm-hmm. Um, how many people is that in a belief system? Right. Yeah, I mean, clearly, like some of the the children, is, like kind of fall into that category, like Hunter. Hunters never obviously had to think about like being part of the Mithraic. Like he clearly is just like, this has been my whole life. Like it's part of my identity. I'm the son of a clerk. Like I'm important. So therefore like, you know, he's never had to question like, should I really be a part of this or not? Because it's, it's everything he knows. And now, now I think like maybe by the end of the series where he sort of restores father, um, you know, fr- like from his factory settings, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know how to say which way that goes, but yeah. So now that the fact that he did restore father, um, kind of maybe, maybe is the beginning of some cracks in that foundation. Mm-hmm. But he was very passionate at the end about, again, like feeling that this was their purpose. And then they I were agree. There but yeah, I'm just saying like, maybe this is like the beginning of like some question marks or like yeah. even the possibility of there like being a question mm-hmm. because I loved those. I, oh, I was just going to say it like, because I just don't know that like Paul's going to sustain this level of like, you know, fervent belief in sure. Saul. So could, could go some interesting places next season. I loved the early stuff where they were dealing with the children and sort mm-hmm. of that like kind of fight between well we do this we pray we have this and then and then the and mother and father forced kind of forcing them to not mm-hmm. you know that's kind of an interesting um i thought they handled it well and you know i don't know how it ultimately affected the kids you know i think it's kind of one of the one of those things where you know when you're told to hate or to not pray for someone because they're gonna they're gonna be damned or whatever, but you've never met one of those people that you're saying should be damned. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to do, and then you meet them, and it's like clearly they've developed a care for Campion, who's an atheist, mm-hmm. and for the mother and father, you know. And as we see the 
believers following Marcus yet when he's asked, like, would you, would oh, you yeah. pray for my father? And he's like, of course, you know, it's like, and then, well, we would never do that. Yeah. Never pray for someone that was fallen, that was deemed unworthy, you know? And, um, you know, it's like that shows your level of devotion. But again, and we see it with the kids where you're, you're confronted with people that, oh, they don't seem so bad. Oh, they, you know, actually are okay. And, you know, on both, both ways. And so mm-hmm. I just thought they handled that pretty well with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the strength of the narrative too, is the character development that like none of these, so far, none of these characters are so one dimensional that it's just like, mm-hmm. you can't, there's not a bad guy. You know what I mean? Like they're all have right. their their strengths and their weaknesses and they're all relatable in some way. And the ones that are are slipping further and further away from their humanity are, you know, we're we were on their side at one point. And so it's it's mm-hmm. fun, I guess, as the viewer to watch that transition. And mm-hmm. I think the best example mm-hmm. of that would be Marcus, you know, like you you sort of are trained as the viewer early on to see the Mithraic as the bad guys. And then Mm -hmm. you find out, oh, like the atheists are recruiting children to be part of their army, you know, and basically sending them out as suicide bombers or whatever. And like, okay, maybe they're not so good. And then, you know, I don't know. And then it just kind of spans from there. And then you, he has this sort of redemptive moment with Mary um, when they're in the cryo sleep or whatever the vr thing and they find paul and they become parents and then they're a happy family and they feel like complete characters now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden all of that has sort of gone away right because shifting dynamics and how this character is evolving and you know falling into you know more depravity i guess in a sense but we don't know Mm -hmm. what what the android eye will do to him yeah, what a what a weird like punishment. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't understand. I'm like, was that making his veins cyanide pop. thing? But then it it looked like a yeah. I don't know. That was very weird. And like, did he know something it was gonna do something crazy, or was he just like, yeah, gotcha. Maybe I'll explode from the inside. Yeah. Or, you know, choke on this, buddy. Yeah, I don't know. It just it seems so very random that he just like fed him the eye and then left him there. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be a known thing, right? Like yeah. Like, like android parts being toxic or something right. to consumption. They all have barcodes on them that say, you know, do not ingest. Yeah. Do not know, eat animals. Oh <laughs> yeah, boy. They got to keep the uh They're like the McDonald's coffee caution hat, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, hopefully yeah, that that'll be thing. yeah, hopefully that'll be explained somehow in season two that, you mm-hmm. know, it's either some sort of like poisoning thing or, you know, he expected the eye to make him explode or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Was well, definitely getting some Mad Max vibes from the captive that mother was draining from of his. Blood. Yeah. You know, here's my blood bag, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road kind of. Thing. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. That was very odd. Uh, again, it was a quick thing Detour. where was she sees the 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 card tarot card, which is clearly like a computerized something, like mm-hmm. a a keeper of a 
memory or something, you know, of information that then Soul tells Paul to destroy, apparently. Um, but she gets this sort yeah. of like vision. And during which time this guy is able to like reverse the blood flow and get like super hulked. You know, that was kind of an odd, unexpected yeah. thing, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, and I didn't really exactly make sense to me, but. Because he's pumped up with android blood now. Is that what it was? Because he took. I back don't know. I mean, he got and... his blood back. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Or he was like maybe stealing from the fetus, which we still don't right. know a whole bunch about, like the snake right. thing. And maybe it's like super strong. I don't know. Cause yeah, cause didn't Sue once she like scanned the baby was like your your baby's gonna be, be like off the baby. charts, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the way was she right? <laughs> yeah, just definitely not in the way she thought she was gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a weird detour. It um, I mean, it was kind of interesting in the fact that like you know we were very satisfied I think as viewers with like mother punishing him. You know, there's there's something very satisfying about like he's finally, you know, being used like the way he used others and like, yeah. you know, he's he's you know slowly gonna die. Um and then it was a very interesting, like sudden reversal. Um possibly just like a showcase for for some tempest action, but still. I don't know if is, either of you noticed this, but the giant snake, when it was not a giant before it was a giant snake, when it was a baby snake. It's just like a ball. It was just like a well, it was, it was a baby snake uh, floating well, around, baby snake or whatever. When she like first had it, and it's like coiled oh, around. Oh, her sorry, sure, so yeah. I didn't know if you meant like when she like looked inside her stomach and oh, was like, no, no, no. "Look at this ball thing." Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I they reminded me. Did you ever did you see the movie Dreamcatcher? No. Oh yeah. Like the alien oh, in a the, the theater. That was a long time ago. Yeah. There's like an alien in that movie that is like a lamprey type snake thing that you see at the end of the movie. It's like the it's like the villain. I don't know. Anyway, it was the, okay. the, the exact same <laughs> the asset that they used for the show <laughs> from that movie. But interesting. Stephen King. Yeah, exactly. King. Yeah. So maybe this is part of the now. Stephen King universe. Black Tower, <laughs> Dark Tower, uh, whatever. Oh man, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so I don't, I don't like interested in this. I really like the connection of the skulls in the sand and stuff. And now mm-hmm. we have this giant snake. I think that's very mm-hmm. interesting. I like that. Kind of hope there's something to that. Would we say mm-hmm. that our antagonist is Soul? Like you'd mentioned, you know, like no one's the bad guy. Is Soul right now our antagonist? I feel like the snake is our antagonist right now. Well, at the very end, I mean, it feels that way, right? Yeah. But I mean, like going through, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of like man versus nature sort of uh, things. Um, But then, you know, and, and man versus man. But if, you know, you know. I don't know. We jump between it still characters wasn't whispering. a lot. There's, yeah, like, I, you know, I, I don't know. And it always ends badly for those that hear soul. Like, if the first guy, well, first of the guy in captive that did the raping, 
ended mm-hmm. poorly for him. Then yep. the guy that was the leader of the church, Ambrose, she, yeah, got on fire. Um, Marcus, he though he has not met his end yet, clearly has been a tortured path, and we're seeing we're seeing that. And mm-hmm. so then, what becomes then of Paul? I don't know. Like he's so far, mm-hmm. it's brought nothing but destruction. It seems. Um, or danger. So I don't know. And he does, he does, uh, try to shoot his mother. I mean, not his mother, but his mother. Yeah. Not exactly like a great, one of the few adults who could like help take care of all of them. Yeah. And how much do you care about the baby? You know, like she's been the one that's been watching over mother and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I think you're right. I think they are. The narrative has, uh, drawn a, so far, the clearest picture as to who or what is the primary antagonist is seemingly Sol at this point. Mm-hmm. You're right. There is nothing beneficial that comes from listening to him or her or it and following its directives. So right. he's not like, go south for me, else you'll find me. Yeah. So, um, Okay. Is there anything else we have stones we left unturned? Yeah. Hot, hot issues that uh, we've not brought to the surface. Did we talk about the white Android blood? We didn't. Why white? (laughs) (laughs) I love this. I get it for the context of this show because they had a, you know, a sex scene where, they basically get covered in white android blood. Was yeah, very, I was going to yeah. say, the scene what, itself. What production it, assistant like was just standing up top pouring gallons of milk or whatever syrup yeah. concoction? Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like, yeah. yeah Enjoy this, it? guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it it's... was very suggestive. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, other than that, mm-hmm. like, Know that the the blood of the androids and other Ridley Scott properties are is white. Yeah, it so, feels like yeah. Alien Gosh. sort of set the tone mm-hmm. in being like, well, "This is what androids, you know, bleed." Mm-hmm. Aliens are green, humans are blood or red blood, uh, right? And so androids, therefore, I mean, we don't want it to be purple. Human blood can kind of get purpley. We don't want, you know, black doesn't sometimes offer the contrast, you know, or something, you know, or, or, or it indicates like, um, is that more machine like that? Machine. Yeah. Oil. You oil. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's not like, so I mean, you're running out of, options. you know, our Android blood will be pink. It could be a selling point to a certain company's androids, you know? Yeah. Pink sell it to kids in jars android blood yeah pink <laughs> android blood. now i'm just getting some like horrible like pepto-bismol like imagery <laughs> oh yeah see imagine so see we have the picture right up there imagine oh, that yeah. scene yeah. was just in pepto <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm trying to like visualize it in different colors i guess yeah white is like neutral-ish it's yeah. dark it's weird it's not alive you know, where do you find where do you find white um, much in, you know, you get some flowers, I guess, yeah. white. 
you know, I think the things it, that are alive. In terms of like the themes of the show, it actually now thinking about it does make a does make a lot of sense. Because okay. I mean, think about like parenting and motherhood. You have like you know breast milk, which would be white or whiteish, <laughs> right? Yes. And then yep. the, the, <laughs> I mean, the themes of like impregnation and uh, you know gestation or whatever fertilization mm -hmm. and then yeah a lot of the imagery there is more than just that sex scene but like you think of like you know how many times in this in the show did they have a scene where it was like a, a sperm fertilizing a giant egg like mother and father and their ship dropping into the core of the earth was basically like oh, exactly yeah. that yeah. i couldn't help but have flashbacks to like middle school health class or something <laughs> like that, absolutely know? when you see the when you see the little in the very first episode, when you see the little ship come out of the wormhole and head towards the planet, there's like this recurring imagery of fertilization. Right. And so, mm -hmm. you know, sure. what I'm what I'm aiming at is that, you know, semen is white also. And that would be another example of sort of like that process, you know, in the in the, you know, pregnancy parenthood type themes. Mm -hmm. that are that's wait, that's part of it. I don't know, John. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I take your point. <laughs> it's pink. Yeah, yeah. It's Pepto. Yeah. John's uh, a Pepto machine. <laughs> Got a sick stomach? <laughs> John's on the way. Uh, um, I don't know. It's maybe more work than it's worth. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll deal with the upset tummy. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I take your point there, like for this show specifically, yes, I think that does sort of make sense in, in terms of like the, the through line that we're following here is, is, you know, parenthood, um, raising, you know, a child of some sort, um, you know, who's, who's fit to raise a child. Yeah. How do you, um, you know, how do you become a mother? You know, is it natural? Is it, you know, you've stolen somebody's face or you're an android being impregnated in VR? Um, but yeah, like we're we're exploring all of these like very organic topics. So sure, like, you know, mm -hmm. this is like the nearest to human organic fluid that we can get without being like it's blood. Right. So, yeah. I like it. Um. Andrea, any lessons you've taken away from all this parenthood stuff? <laughs> I know. What do you, like, what do you think use? What am I, what am I going to bring back to little Everett? Yeah. Um, yeah, boy. Double I guess... check the plants for radiation. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, no carbos. Yeah. No carbos. Do as I say, not as I do, you know? Because if, if I have to go, you know, wipe out a whole bunch of people on an arc, I don't want her to do that, but I'll do it for her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of, I, I just think it's the, it, it's a little sappy, but it's it, one of the things that I first thought of, you know, in kind of looking at the show is, um, you know, you never can estimate what makes a good parent and you can, you can come about it in very different ways. You know, I think obviously mother being an android doesn't make any difference to the fact that she really does seem to care for the children. Um, Campion especially, because, you know, he's sort of like her her own, um, even if he's not technically. Or like 
Sue slash Mary always wanted to be a parent came about it, obviously also in kind of a terribly unconventional and also terrible way. But that doesn't mean like the love that she has for Paul isn't real. Right. So who can, who can say who's fit um, to be a parent or, or what makes a good parent or who can, you know, feel the love for a child that a parent can feel. It's, it's really subjective and up to that person. All right. Well said. <laughs> um, anything else before we close this out? I I know I came like kind of down a little bit hard on the, the latter half of the season. Um, but that that doesn't mean I'm not interested to see where season two goes. And I I hope that, you know we we get to redress some of the questions that excited me in the, like the first half of the season and and kind of get back to some of that um you know like very interesting content that i and character development that i was really drawn into um and i guess i hope that somehow the snake baby pays off <laughs> yeah it didn't yeah. just fly out into into space Right, like there's, no, the, yeah, I yeah. I hope that there's something interesting that comes of that, and that's not maybe another kind of like random left field kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I think the strength of this show lies in the in the character drama, mm -hmm. and yeah. um, obviously, I think the other strength is the f interesting science fiction setting. But mm -hmm. um, at least for me, anyway. But uh, yeah, but yeah, more of that obviously is a good thing, and hopefully, with like the questions that are left unanswered at the end of the first season leads to you know much more of that different characters interacting with other characters they haven't interacted with you know before introduction of new characters and uh, just more dynamics i guess just to see where they go and how they change and develop that to me is the most interesting thing in the, about this show is nobody mm -hmm. seems to be set in yeah. a in a particular uh, trope mm-hmm so I um I just have to say I have though I have some issues with um suspending my disbelief in certain areas and just kind of the way it, things started to move at the end um mm -hmm. I'm excited by the questions that are asked I am excited by the the philosophical nature of some of the questions particularly early on I I'm in love with the visual style of the show. Mm -hmm. I am absolutely in love with the music. I think the music feels unique, um, discomforting. Um, I, I, I was listening to soundtracks more today by itself, and I just really, really, really dig the music. Um, and I applaud a show that is, to my understanding, completely unique. There's so many things that are regurgitated or it's the not too distant future or and things just don't take the chance to like let's go to a new planet let's take mm -hmm. humanity or aliens or cultures or whatever that feels so far removed you know from our own and do something different mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily know where you are to begin with and whatever and i really appreciate that we need more of mm -hmm. that in particularly sci-fi um, but in fantasy and everything. And so I hope the show 
um, manages to pace out a nice structure blueprint of these potentially five seasons they want to do and that we get the the payoffs necessary um and uh if if so um be it's gonna be yeah i'm looking forward to it mm -hmm. so. same all right well we have a while to uh either rewatch it uh reanalyze uh or consider theories um sounds like uh he's found andrea season two is looking like it's currently on the schedule for sometime next year yes. yeah yep sounds like mid 2022 so um yeah looking forward to it thank you shane for uh joining us even if it was just via audio for a bunch of it technically challenging for sure but uh <laughs> Appreciate the opportunity. It was fun talking with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely nothing I didn't have, you know, in, in early days of our podcasting. So, yeah, I just need to to quit doing the jury rigged camera with my phone and just get some real gear if I'm going to keep making appearances. So, yeah, well, we talked previously about doing a, a full Ridley Scott episode. That's got to mm -hmm. happen at some point. So we'll yeah. see what happens there. Cool. Um, we talked about Emily coming on for some Star Trek, maybe. So she'll need something to use, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's a good person for Star Trek. So she knows Excellent. everything. Excellent. Yeah. I know nothing. So <laughs> I, too, know nothing. So. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, um, that's been another episode of Popcast on the Rocks. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Please like, share, follow, subscribe everywhere that you can. We're on Facebook and Instagram. No, not Instagram. We're on Better. Facebook and Twitter, YouTube, here on Twitch, if you're watching this live. Um, yeah, we'd really appreciate the like, the review, the share all that sort of thing. Um, podcast services as well. We're also available in just audio format if you'd like. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, um, and others. Go ahead, leave us a review there. Listen to us. Put us on in the background. I don't care. You can half listen to it, whatever. <laughs> you know, Just uh, hear our lovely voices kind of filling the, you know, filling your household. Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, thank you to Killing the Flower for our theme song. They are on YouTube and Spotify and Instagram. So check out their work. Um, I am often seen streaming or at least heard streaming with my brother-in-law, Lucas333. That's Lucas with a K on Twitch. Typically, that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. My hand is not allowing me to play games normally. So we've been playing a little bit of Catan. Uh, mm. Settlers of Catan digitally. I can do that nice. one-handed. And then they switch over to playing something else um, a little bit later. So you can join us for that. And I think that's about it. Episode 67 in the can. Andrea, Shane, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers, everybody. Bye.